All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Mr. Eddie Ortiz will be here momentarily because you know we can't do this thing without him. We literally can't. I mean, I, I'm, I'm talking about we have had uh, one, one. I would say, not a fumbled morning, but a morning where we've had to adjust on the fly. And we do this quite often here in Kansas, and here the, the Spoken Podcast in the Kansas City region, if I'm going to go ahead and mention the city we're in. Uh, because of the fact that this is what we do, man. We've been doing this for 162 now episodes because we are now here for 162. We are in full swing, full motion. We're so happy to be here with you guys, and we are so happy that you are here with us. And um, I got a lot of I got a lot to talk about today, guys. We have a lot to talk about today. We have our guest from the Kingdom Says podcast, Mr. Kyle Henning, is going to be joining us today to give his thoughts on all things Chiefs, all things NFL related. He also has a great platform for himself and his guys over there with Tom and Garrett and those guys. I really respect what they do over there because they don't just talk Chiefs. They do it a lot like we do. Um, they have a lot of other uh, situations going on with their work. They have. Hockey stuff. I mean, I see. I'm seeing Kyle talking hockey throughout his day, which is great. And uh, it, yeah, I, I think that this is gonna be a fun show. I'm really looking forward to what we got going on today. Our guy Eddie will be here momentarily. Like I said, adjustments on the fly is necessary at times. But Trevor, I think we can handle this. I think we can think so. hold the fort down. But nevertheless, like I say, each and every week, whether you're live streaming, whether you're podcasting, or whether you're YouTubing, we do sincerely thank you for being here with us today. Before we get to everything else that we have today, I wanted to start with something that dropped right before I finalized what I wanted to discuss this week on this episode. And it was from a guy that I respect a lot here in Kansas City. He's a writer. He's now working for the Kansas City Star, uh, Mr. Sam McDowell. He actually had a sit-down with a now former chief, a former favorite, uh, fan favorite out here in Kansas City by the name of Tyron Matthew. And this piece was something that I simply could not take my eyes off of. Uh, this was a was a, was a conversation piece that Sam had with Tyron Matthew, basically describing everything that Tyron Matthew has gone through from his childhood until present day. And I highly recommend that you guys go out there and read and 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 absorb this uh, conversation for yourself because I personally was was a uh, was very much captivated by this one. I told Trevor and Eddie immediately, you guys need to make sure. And read this one for yourself because I wanted to make sure that you guys got it like I got it. Or if you didn't, we can at least have a discussion about it in the way that I wanted to discuss this. Because I think that the Tyron Matthews situation is still a hot topic here in Kansas City. Because I think a lot of fans out there felt that the, the, the Chiefs moving on from Tyron Matthew wasn't the right decision to make. And that's still a debate. I think that's still something we can discuss. I think that's still something that's fair to discuss. Because we don't know what Justin Reed's going to be here in Kansas City. Who essentially replaced Tyron Matthew uh, for one for one. And this was discussed in the article. You saw that Tyron Matthew discussed that. And 
I, I first want to start this by saying the, the things I love about Tyron Matthew as a player and as a person. I don't know him personally, but from what I know about him as a person, I, I respect greatly. For one, when it comes to the authenticity, the authenticity of, 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 a, of an athlete, it's, it's weird how we, we look at them because we want transparency. We want them to be real with us. They, we want them to be human. But the moment they're human, a lot of times we stab them in the back for that, or we criticize them, we crucify them for being human, being essentially what we, and ironically, what we ask them to be. I remember growing up in the 90s, and Michael Jordan, and Ken Griffey Jr., and Barry Bonds, uh, uh, go down the list of, of players throughout history uh, at, at, at that time. We revered them as gods because, one, Sports back then was one of the few outlets we really had. We didn't have a ton of streaming services. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have TikToks and Twitter and all those other things just to escape reality from. Sports was a centralized figure, and it still is, but in a different way. But as a kid, sports was, a, was, was everything. And we looked at these people as gods, not just because of that reason, but because of the fact that was the only true access we had to them. Outside of a few interviews here and there with Bob Costas or Entertainment Tonight here and there, we didn't have the day-in and day-out coverage of these, these players and these athletes as people. And now that we do, I think that it's easier for us to, to critique them because we've gotten normalized to the access that we have. And I think that's something that happens with Tyron Matthew. Because of the fact that he's such a transparent human being. And he's not afraid to speak out, sometimes to his own chagrin and his own fault about things that matter to him which is a lot of things and it's so it, he's so passionate about how he feels that he'll speak out to the average joe on twitter that has 19 followers he doesn't care who you are he'll tell you how you feel and he addresses that in this article and that's something actually i do love about tyron matthew do i agree with do i do i like and do i agree with how he's handled certain things no I think he's been a little childish at times. I think he's been a little immature at times. But I respect the man for being exactly who he is. He is authentic and he is true to himself and true to his brand. That is always something I've respected at Tyron Matthew because on the field, it transpires into something that I think is motivating and inspiring to other, other athletes, other grown men. And I do believe that Tyron Matthew is a leader of men. I do think that he gets the attention, the eyes, and the respect of men across the board from young rookie players to aging veterans. They listen to what he has to say because they know football matters to him. And I don't think that's changed at all. And I have, I have, for the last three years, have been such a fan of Tyron Matthew as the player and as man because he's a family man, he's a salt-of-the-earth kind of guy, despite the fact that he's had his own father spending an entire life sentence since Tyron Matthew's essentially been alive, since he was 18 months old. He was raised by his grandmother. He's had a lot of tough challenges throughout his life, and again, these are expressed and, sh and shown. Uh, are we still on air, Trevor? Are we good? Mm -hmm. Okay, I just want to make sure we got a text make sure we're still on air. See, like I said, we're adjusting here on the fly. But we've seen Tyron Matthew have to become his own man and, and, and fight for everything he has. So it makes sense that Tyron Matthew is the way that he is and has the attitude that he does because that a lot of times in his life, he's felt that he's been on an island.
Mm. He's felt that he's been on his own, and so he has to scrap and claw, especially as an undersized guy. I understand. I'm less than I'm not six foot tall. I know what that's like. You can tend to be treated a little bit differently than people that are a little taller than you. It happens. And I think Tyron Matthews is one of those guys as well. But see, this is also where I think things get a little tricky for Tyron Matthew, as he, especially as he gets older. He's going to be turning 30 this year. And um, there's, I think there's a double-edged sword when it comes to being a passionate and, and, and loud and, and boisterous athlete. When things aren't going your way anymore, your athleticism is starting to dwindle a little bit, or you just lose a little bit of a step, not even a full step, but just a little bit of a step, I think it gets easier for teams to move on from you. And we saw early on in Tyron Matthews' career, he was dealing with injuries, and he, and he couldn't stay on the field at times, and he, was, he, he had knee injuries, ACL injuries, things of that nature. And I think that was the biggest reason why he didn't get a second contract with the Cardinals. And he didn't get a second contract with the Texans. I don't think it was because of his attitude. I think it was because of the injury concerns that they were having. But in Kansas City, he only missed one game, and it was due to COVID. It had nothing to do with actual ligament damage or anything of that nature. He had been fairly, extremely healthy throughout. I think what the difference is in Kansas City is the fact that he is now not the same player he once was physically, and that has been a struggle for him when you compare the fact that he's still just as boisterous and just as passionate as he was in the prime of his career. And I think, because he even admits in this article, that knowing he was probably done in Kansas City after this last season was something that was mentally blocking him from performing at his highest level. It was something that was affecting him on a day-in and day-out basis uh, he even talked about it to Charverius Ward at the end of the, the AFC Championship when they lost to the Bengals. Him and Charverius Ward talk on the sideline when they're sitting there watching the celebration for the Bengals. He asks Charverius Ward, did we just play our last AFC Championship game? Or did we just play our last game with the Chiefs? And Charverius Ward said, yeah, big dog, I think it, I think it was our last one. Uh, hope, hope differently, but... It looks, it looks like this is the last one. That's why you saw the emotions exuding out of Tyron Matthew at the press conference. And he no longer said, we, in, in, in regards to the Chiefs, he's talking about they. And he hopes that they will bring him back. And it became, you can tell there was a distance already there between him and the franchise. And now we sit here in April discussing the departure of Tyron Matthew here in Kansas City. And yes, I do believe that the passion and the boisterous ways gave Tyron Matthew a lot of advantages coming into Kansas City. But knowing that it was something that was mentally blocking him, the potential of him having to leave Kansas City and it affecting his game and him still being the boisterous personality he is, is also the reason why he's no longer in Kansas City. And that's unfortunate because I was one, and I will stand by this proudly because I still believe in Tyron Matthew. I was one that wanted to see the Chiefs extend Tyron Matthew. But now I think we all understand full and well that the Chiefs are not a team that are in the business of extending aging veterans. And what I mean by aging is I mean 28 plus. That might sound crazy to you. But I think that the Chiefs are looking at this as, unless you were just an all-time exception, like a Travis Kelsey, where they extended at, I believe, 29 years old. Yeah. Unless you're just an all-time great, like Travis Kelsey, 
we're not going to extend you when you're 29, 30, 31 years old. Or, if, just, you want, or if you want quarterback money like Tyreek Hill. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or you want to be close to home, and they respect that, understand that. Yeah. Go make your money elsewhere. I think the Chiefs are showing this, and the prime example of that is Tyron Matthew. Because, yes, I do believe that Tyron Matthew got his extension in Kansas City. I do think there would be a relief on him emotionally. And I do think we would see a better version of Tyron Matthew moving forward for at least another couple of years. But the Chiefs felt differently because... And I, and I don't mean to call Tyron Matthew out. And, Trevor, I definitely want to get your thoughts on this one. But the key in all this, and I know Eddie had talked to us a little bit in, in our group chat about this. The key in all this was when Tyron Matthew said that he saw the Justin Reed contract. And he said... I probably would have taken that if the Chiefs offered me that. I'm not going to tell another man that he's lying about what he's telling me because you have to take somebody for what their their word is unless you just know their word is just complete shit. I don't believe Tyron Matthews is a man that has a word that's complete shit. I do believe, like I said, I, I believe he's authentic. I think he's real. I don't know if I believe him in this one, though. Because Tyron Matthew had shown us all offseason – that he felt that he was worth a lot of money. And I think that's the biggest reason why he hasn't been on a team yet. Because he had himself marketed, rightfully so I might add, at a place where he was not going to make that money. I am always going to be in support of a team, of, of, of an athlete that believes they're worth something. But when the market is telling you you're not, you have to be able to accept what reality is. And Tyre Matthew is now in a place where he doesn't really have a place to call home. And I think that's affecting him mightily. And I'm hoping that Tyron Matthew does find a home, and I hope his NFL career can continue. But I don't. I have a hard time believing that Tyron Matthew would have taken a three-year, $30 million deal, essentially, that Justin Reed got here in Kansas City. I don't think that's real, because I think if the Chiefs would have offered that, Tyron Matthew would have went on a tirade on Twitter and talked about being undervalued, underappreciated. Do they forget what I did these last three years? I mean, do I really sound off here, Trevor? Do I really sound like those? Those sound like tweets that, yeah. that Tyron would have made at this point. So yep. all in all, I feel for Tyron Matthew because I respect the man that he is. I love the player that he was here in Kansas City. But I do fully understand now why the Chiefs did what they needed to do because of the fact that to Tyron's own admittance, he wasn't the player he once was last season because he was so caught up in the emotion of not having guaranteed dollars following this next season. And I think the Chiefs realized if you're not mentally strong enough to handle that, we don't know if we can trust you mentally to stay strong afterwards if we're to go and give you a lot of money moving forward into your 30s. I'm going to keep it real, man. I think this is 100% a football move by the Chiefs. I don't think this has anything to do with Tyron. They knew who Tyron was when they signed him. And, and 100%... He's, he changed his culture with that kind of attitude, with that heart on my sleeve, take every single thing personally kind of mentality that he has, and which, which makes him so lovable, especially as an athlete. You want those athletes that take everything personal and use it as fuel. That's what makes Tyron great. That's what, that's what fuels his engine. Um, and I love him for it. But I also think he's wrong here with saying, trying to like play the hindsight as 2020 kind of deal here where he's saying, oh, I would have taken that contract when – you're out there on Twitter when Bobby Wagner news broke and talking about how this league treats its best like shit and all this thing, you know, and lumping yourself in that group. Listen, man, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't have your pity party and then, you know, want to claim that people are out here doing you wrong. And you're publicly, you know, calling people out all the time. Like, you just got to – but, I mean, that's you got to love him and hate him for it. Um, a lot less hate because he's a very lovable guy because you want passionate players like that on your football team. But I believe that this was 100% a football move. 
I think the Chiefs got better at safety with signing Reed. I do. I think he's a more of a playmaker this time. And if you watch a lot of the film, and I love Tyron. He's, he's usually in the right place at the right time. But he usually, a lot of times he wasn't making the right play or was taking plays off and not wanting to sacrifice his body and, you know, lay the hits that he, we all knew he was, you know, known for. Um, even being an undersized guy, he used to, you know, throw his body out there and make plays. And, and he was definitely, definitely taking a step back with that. And it looked like it was on purpose this year, this year. So I believe this past season, I believe that Veach and the Chiefs were done. And I think he knew, and I think we all knew for, I think they all knew, not us. I think a lot of us expected Tyron Matthew back. Um, but I, I was very much adamant about not paying him what he was trying to get. No way. Um, this is a business, man. You got to make hard decisions. We all saw that with the Tyreek news. That was heartbreaking. It's going to be heartbreaking for a while to get over that. But the decision needed to be made. And I believe, like I said, this is a football move. The Chiefs got better at safety. We're going to have a better playmaker at safety. We're going to have a younger, bigger, stronger, faster guy that's going to be out there making more plays than Tyron Matthew was. I know that's weird to say because Justin Reed isn't really a proven guy in this league yet. Um, but if you do watch his film, he is a playmaker and he was stuck on a terrible team. Um, and I, and I tr look at man. You guys may not feel this way right now because of the, the quiet offseason we've had for the most part outside of the Tyreek move, move and we've gradually gotten worse, seemingly. But I trust Brett Veach. I trust Brett Veach to make the right moves. It was the right move to bring Tyron here, and I think this is the right move to let Tyron go at this time. So this is a dog-eat-dog dog game, man. Like This is a very short-lived um, and sporadic type of game. You got to make the changes. when it, You got to zig when other teams are zagging. You got to upset some fans at times. That they don't care about that at, at certain moves. You know what I mean? You got to do what's best for the team. You got to understand that you have arguably the best and all-time talent and the best quarterback in this league to to you know help bring success his way and do everything you can to support. And that 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 accompanies bringing young talent to this roster consistently, cycling in guys in and out, letting other guys that think they're better than they are at a certain age let them go. No matter how big the name is, no matter. How loved they are in this. We've seen, I mean, it broke my heart when Eric Berry, the Eric Berry era ended. That was my all-time favorite guys. And the way he acted, the way he, the things he was saying, the way it had, like, the, and the way we paid him, overpaid him for the lack of play that we knew he was, you know, there for. It, it sucks seeing that stuff go as a fan. It sucks seeing Tyreek not here anymore. That's heartbreaking as a fan because you fall, you literally fall in love with these guys. You don't think coaches fall in love with these guys? You don't think GMs fall in love with these guys? They do, but they're not, they can't be that. They can't be fans. You know what I mean? They have to be able to create that relationship where it's okay to let these guys go. And I understand Tyron's, I understand Tyron if he, if he thinks highly of himself, as he should. You know, he's worked, his story's incredible. Um, and he loved it here. It doesn't matter, man. Like, that, this, the, the game moves on just like life moves on in everybody's life. If you stay and you don't do anything with your life, life is going to pass you up. You know what I mean? So if he wanted to kind of take plays off and, you know, try to secure his next bag and play the long game here with his career... The game's going to pass him on, and it's showing so far that the game is passing him on because no one, he's out here creating his own visits for the Saints after Daniel Sorensen got signed by the Saints. It's a bad look right now for Tyron, and I love him, but it, this is why I, was, I gave him that L a couple weeks ago. It was out of love, but it was tough love, but it's like, bro, you, you were betting on yourself here, and it's just not looking good. He, he's going to get picked up somewhere, yeah. probably around, right around draft time. Uh, you know, I think it was Schefter was talking about it, or one of those guys. I think it was my Rappaport was talking about how a lot of veterans do end up getting picked up during the draft. You know, if say a, a team whiffs on a safety that they really wanted or a DB they really wanted, and like, ah, shit, who's out there still? And who's a better we could bring a savvy better? Boom, Tyron's the perfect guy for that. Yeah. So, um, 
look, man, he's got a special place in my heart. He 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 was a key cog to you know us getting the greatest moment in sports in my lifetime, creating that Super Bowl victory. It was one of the it's the greatest moment in sports for me. Um, so that will always be near and dear to me. Um, but as far as his article and everything he was going in on, I, I'm always willing to hear him out. I just I just think I think both parties knew that it was done after this year. Um, and I think it was just you watched the film from last season. There was a few plays he made here and there, but overall, it was just a very underwhelming season for Tyron Matthew, according to his standards and for himself, let alone the NFL standard. Um, so, I think we were all kind of romanticizing, you know, bringing him back. We wanted that, but I think as this time has gone on, and the Justin Reed, you watch Justin Reed's film, and you you, you get excited about what that can look like in this defense, um, and a lot of the defensive moves we got to make. There's gonna yeah, there's gonna be a lot of new names in this defense this year, man. Yeah. Young names too. Uh, a lot of unproven things, but hopefully we can we can do you know these guys can prove themselves moving forward. But Tyron was just one of those pieces along with Tyree Kill that we just had to move on without. Um, and when you got a, a generational talent in Patrick Mahomes, there's, there's going to be a lot of rotating names, and it just sucks to see that go that way. Um, but I think this was this I think this nail was in the coffin before the season was ever even close to being done. Well, what sucks is I mean let me let me just say it like this: I, we all know how the Chiefs operate when it comes to PR. Yeah. We know that they don't. Oh, yeah. They don't usually like any type of negative attention or pushback. That's why they always stay clear of those things most times, uh, unless it's absolutely necessary to address something. Like when it came to Black Lives Matter, when it came to any of those things, that we we all knew that they had to at least make a statement on. But when it comes to Tyron Matthews' Twitter and, and and the way he handles himself on social media and talks to to the crowd at, at visiting uh, games, I'm sure that the Chiefs were not looking forward to having to deal with that anymore. So I'm sure that was a, a part of it. But if a player is still great, if a player is still valuable to a place where you can overlook those things, by, then by all means, you, you, you keep that player, you extend that player. And I think this is one of those situations also where this is the, the shittiest part of business because if Tyron Matthew was literally a, a defensive end or, or a really skilled outside or middle linebacker, I would be willing to bet that the Chiefs would keep Tyron Matthew, even at 29 years old, soon to be 30. If he was a, a legitimate pass rusher, a guy that was getting 10 to 15 sacks a season, I bet that would happen. But because of the fact that the man is a safety, and he is an extremely versatile safety, the, the Chiefs and the league, quite frankly, are showing us that you can replace those kind of guys, go and get a younger physically more fitting style of safety that's going to also be cheaper. Because as we all know, the Justin Reed contract is a very team-friendly contract. Yeah. And I don't care what Tyron Matthews is saying is in revisionist history or reflection, he's not signing that deal with the Chiefs three, four weeks ago. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Yeah, I didn't even address that, but yeah, I don't think... I don't believe that for a second because he, he definitely wanted to get his, yes. his next big contract. And he still does, I'm sure. And again, I'm all for it. Go get your bag. Go get your money. If it's there, go obtain it. Yeah, he would have gotten it by now if that was but the case. But exactly, it's not there. The The well is run dry. We've seen, what, nine, ten safeties signed this offseason? Daniel Swartzen. Daniel Swartzen included. <laughs> they got paid. I mean, yeah. obviously, Daniel, was a, that's a, basically a prove-it deal. The Saints could cut him and yeah. lose no money. But the point is, Tyron Matthew has seen his... His, his colleagues, his peers, his teammates go out there and get signed to other teams, and he's out here 
asking for visits with the Saints. And, and and I love the LSU stuff, and I love what he's doing. I think this guy will be on a coaching staff one day because he's just Absolutely. all football. Yeah, passion. But you, the reality has been set. And and, and go back last offseason. We had guys like B.J. Kissel who were very connected to this Chiefs organization. Talk about how he would have been shocked if the Chiefs didn't have him signed by last training camp. Yeah. It, it, see, we were of all of us were of the belief that, that, that Tyron Matthew was a, a guy that the Chiefs viewed as a long-term solution, but the Chiefs didn't view him that way. And I think that with the Joe Tooney signing, I think with the potential uh, Orlando Brown uh, Jr. long long-term extension, with all these things looming, I think that they showed us that they're focusing their money, their finances for the foreseeable future elsewhere. And I just didn't see it that way. And I I understand where the Chiefs are coming from. I, I always find myself in this place where I will initially disagree with a move and then I really start to psychoanalyze it and look at it deeper than I did just from the surface initially and realize, okay, the Chiefs are looking at this from a perspective of we want to win Super Bowls, not just have a Super Bowl in our past and then rest on our laurels. And that is exactly what we should want. Yeah. We should want a franchise that is driven by what will be, not what was what, what what once was, not something that they once had and are building upon that. Because this is what the Royals did. This is what the Chiefs did. They used to do where they would have this little short-term success back when our parents were kids, and then say, "Hey, remember all those good times? Come out and see us. Those times were once had." No. Those times are now being had, and they're building off that to have more of those moments. And that way you do that is you cut fat, you cut and trim, sometimes in a controversial fashion. Yeah. We talked about this this offseason, Trevor, about the Chiefs are about to make some uncomfortable and unpopular moves. I didn't realize it was going to be to this extent. I didn't realize Tyreek Hill and Tyron Matthew wouldn't be moving, being on this roster moving forward. Yeah. But these were necessary moves. Yeah, and I look at it similar to how Belichick's always done things, um, which has made you know the most anomalous run in sports history with the Patriots dynasty. I mean, it was the most incredible dynasty of all time. Like, and a lot of that is accredited to the, the ownership and the coaching decisions of that franchise. They made a lot of guys rich, just not for their team. You know I mean? Richard Seymour, you know, no one would expect those guys to let him walk at the time he would, the way he was playing, they made him rich, but it wasn't for the Patriots. I think they are going to see a similar trend throughout Patrick Mahomes' career. There's going to be a lot of guys getting the bag, but it's not going to be here. You know, outside of guys, I mean, but even like Travis Kelsey keeping him around, he hasn't gotten as much money as you probably would have thought. Like, it's been very team friendly. Um, and I think, you know, I think Kelsey's just, uh, just a, um, I think his, his, his relationship with, with uh, Patrick Mahomes is a little more different. So I think that they, they find ways to, and plus, Travis Kelsey's a very marketable guy. He's got a lot of endorsements and things like that that work for him in his favor as well. So either way, there's, like I said, there's going to be a lot of guys, a lot of names in and out. There's going to become, you know, this is where drafting is going to have to come in. This next phase of Patrick Mahomes' career, drafting is going to have to be emphasized just, you know, that much more. Uh, free agency is one thing, but free agency comes with guys wanting big contracts, wanting other things like that. Um, so getting young bodies in here, young receivers. This draft is exciting. This is going to be maybe the most pivotal point in Brett Veach's career. This is the, maybe the most defining moment for him outside of obviously getting Patrick Mahomes here and being a part of that. But deciding how this next chapter in Patrick Holmes' career looks, you know, with letting Tyreek Hill walk, with letting Tyra Matthew walk, uh, with no contract even, you know, offered to him. Uh, those are some big, bold things. And so, I mean, he's got to have to back it up. So I'm excited to see what this goes, what happens moving forward with this situation. But look, man, Tyron, you know, he, 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 he got the job done here. 
That's that's what all it all comes down to for me. You can feel however however you want about his Twitter rants. You can feel however you want about his play. He was a massive key cog for us winning a Super Bowl here and then making another trip there uh, the very next season. So I I have nothing but love for Tyron Matthew, and I, I that's how it's going to be moving forward. And, and moving on from Tyron, not just moving on from Tyron Matthew, but replacing him with a player like Justin Reed, who yeah. did have a, a career low last year with the Texans. The, Brett Veach and the Chiefs are putting a lot of pressure on themselves, which I can respect. Yeah. Because they're telling it's Chiefs fans to trust us. Mm-hmm. Because think about this, man. Just, I do. just build the scenario here. Let's say Justin Reed's terrible. Yeah. Or let's say he's just injury prone and he just doesn't play a lot for the Chiefs and they have to just eat that guaranteed money and get, get rid of him after a year. Or let's say that the Chiefs' offense really struggles and are missing some skill at wide receiver and Juju just didn't pan out and MVS can't get open and they're just, you know, they drafted a guy who ended up being a bust. You know the two names are going to come up constantly? They should have paid Tyreek Hill. Yeah. They should have paid Tyron Matthew. And that will go on forever There's going to be ever moments of that. Ever. I don't know. Yeah. I'm saying, like, if this doesn't go the way the Chiefs are saying it's going to go and, and telling Chiefs fans to, to trust us, this is going to work out well for us, just like it was paying for guys like Frank Clark and going and getting Tyron Matthew. It's the same now on the flip side of we're letting these guys go. You know, because when Tyron Matthew got drafted, even though it was a fifth-round pick, yeah. There was so much controversy attached to that. And people were talking about how could the Chiefs go and get a guy who punched his girlfriend? <laughs> and we had Bob Fesco on 610 literally calling out John Dorsey and Andy Reid by name. Yeah. You tell my daughters, you tell my daughters how you can take this guy in the draft. And then we see what he does for six years for the Chiefs. And now we're mad <laughs> that they moved on from him. But see, well, not the Chiefs. Fesco. Fesco's, yeah. yeah, well, we, we could go on a whole. Yeah, anyway, um, the fact is, though, is that we had a lot of controversy surrounding that. Now the controversy is, why did you get rid of them? So the Chiefs are going to have to re-establish that trust with people that do not approve of these two moves, because this is now something that is, from the naked eye, making this team worse right now. Yeah. Especially when you look at the way the AFC has been doing what they're doing and stockpiling veteran talent. And so this, yeah, you're right, Trevor. I 100% agree with you. I think this draft is going to have everything for the Chiefs that they need. Will they go out and get it? Well, think about it. We'll never have this many picks again. Very rarely does any any team ever have this many picks heading into a draft. So you have all the leverage, whether it's trades or just using all these picks to stockpile young talent this season and, and change the entire trajectory of this roster, which I'm all for too. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is. I think. I mean, I don't know what happens down the road, but this has got to be. The most pivotal moment for Brett Beach's career and Patrick Mahomes' career, honestly, man, I know a lot of this is out of his hands as far as making choices. I'm sure he has pull there, obviously, but this is the biggest pivotal moment in this Mahomes era because of the levers that we have, because of all those picks, because of the future of these young players that we bring in here possibly or the guys we trade for with these picks, vice versa. Yeah, this is exciting, man. Like it's very nerve wracking as a fan. I can't imagine what the you know what Brett Veach feels and what Andy Reid feels and the, the you know a lot of the uncertainty here moving forward. But I love the unknown. I love the idea that we could even have more success from this. You know, we've had so much fun in this ride so far with the Mahomes era. But like, what could come of this with these young names and all the development of these young guys we bring in here? Who knows what happens? Who knows if we're if we extend this run and make it even better? But it's. Um, yeah, that's what I, I would just tell to, to fans that are listening or anybody that's in the same boat as us as fans. Just you just got to roll with this man and just be excited about it. Um, oh, you can be critical all you want, but I mean, I think I I, I just trust Andy Reid. I trust Brett Veach. 
Um, they've had a reputation of success so far. Uh, bringing Tyron in was the right move, like I said, and then letting Tyron walk, I think, is the right move as well. Um, and just strap on them seatbelts, man. It's going to be a fun ride moving forward. I will say uh, I, I feel guilty that we didn't talk about it uh, up front, yeah. but I, I do want to address it because it's uh, the biggest story coming out of the NFL right now, probably so, all of sports. Yeah. Uh, we, we got the unfortunate news this morning that Pittsburgh Steelers uh, quarterback Dwayne Haskins was uh, struck by a truck in the highway this morning and was killed. The reports are still developing, but all we do know is that he was on the highway, he was walking, and a dump truck uh, hit him, and he was uh, dead on the scene. And so this is this is gut-wrenching. Uh, football aside, because I know we all know him because of his talents and because of what he did at Ohio State and you know being drafted 15th overall by Washington and getting a second chance uh, in, in Pittsburgh, really getting an opportunity with the lack of quarterback talent there. I want to put all that aside and just acknowledge the fact that hearing the, a, a person, a human being at 24 years old losing their life, a man who was uh, married and, 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 and having an established life, seeing him... Seeing that life taken from him is something that is never anything short of heartbreaking. And I, I, Trevor and I were talking before we got the show going this morning. It just, it's just not a, it's not something you ever want to hear. It's not something that should ever happen because life should be enjoyed late into your 80s and 90s. That's what I've always said. I always, I, if I had a, you know, like you have the three wishes thing. One of those wishes I always had is that if you can't have eternal life where people can live forever, I would hope that every single human being could live to their like 95 years old, just so you can experience the whole trajectory of what this place is. And Trevor, you said something that was profound about, you know, if you don't live life, life will pass you by. I think Dwayne Haskins was one of those people that did live life. Did he always show it on the field? I guess not, but this man went out to Ohio State, one of the most prestigious football programs in America. A baller. Was a baller. Put up a record that still stands, by the way. Yeah. 50 touchdowns in a season. Still stands. Gets himself drafted in the first round. Goes and gets himself married. Goes and has a life. So for 24 years, this man lived life better than most live in a lifetime. I just wish he could have been able to live 70 more years. I, I just This really sucks, man. And, and again, it's not even just because he's a football player. It's just because he's a human being that shouldn't have shouldn't have lost his life this early. So I, I just wanted to put that out there. I'm sure you have some thoughts, Jervis. Go ahead, man. Yeah, um, this, this is, this is a, the unique thing about the, the world of sports. You know, we get to watch young men spend their entire life. We get to watch it. We get to watch young men spend their young men and women spend their their lives. You know, for these goals, to reach these goals, to create a new, to change the entire direction of their family and their and their family tree, and create generational wealth for their families, and you know, reach those goals and those and those you know that success of life and you know finding their win in life we get to watch that that's what makes this so unique that you know there's there's tragedy everywhere yeah people are dying every single day family men family women children wrong things are happening unfair things life is unfair 100% unfair um you know and there's there's people that allow life to happen to them and there's just people that happen to life and a lot of times with athletes they're out there making you know 
they're out there attacking life instead of letting life come to them. You know, so, and we get to watch that, you know, we get to watch them under a microscope and the pressures on them. And these, these guys that make the league alone is so impressive. You know, um, that's what makes it special though. We get to see these guys get these guys, these men and women reach their goals and strive and try hard and everything they can, you know, be at the top of the mountain, like, like he was, you know, and then come into the league and kind of not be as good as he wanted to be. And he's still fighting for that. And he, he this was his second chance to kind of his second or third chance, kind of change the stars and find his way in this league, um, fighting hard for those positions. And, you know, and then he, then he's taken, um, just tragically this way. It's, it's, it's a unique type of thing, though, with sports because, like I said, you get to watch it, and it hits a little harder because we're connected to these people. We know these names. You know, the average Joe, you know, that it's no different. It's still tragic either way, but yeah. the average Joe, you know, it doesn't hit as, hit as hard because, you know, you read these stories about normal people or average people. It is what it is. Life is not fair. These things happen every single day, but the, 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 the tragic thing about sports is you just you see these people work. You know, you're, you're <laughs> it's like watching a, a TV. It's like, well, it's even like – and this is obviously not real life, but like even connecting to a character on a TV show and they yeah. tragically pass on the, in the script of the show. And it, it, it tugs at our heartstrings. But this is this is the ultimate degree here of watching athletes um, that we know in real life. This isn't an act. This is real life. This isn't a movie. This is this is someone's real life. And we get to watch them, um, you know, put everything they have into a sport, everything they have into their job. Um, and then, the, you know, watch that just be gone in an instant. And I feel so bad for his family. He's, you know, he was about to be 25 this next month. Um, he was a child. Um, and it's just he was out there doing his job. He's out there training with his fellow quarterbacks, with Mitch Trubisky and, and uh, Mason Rudolph, um, trying to change his life still, trying to, to you know, create wealth and, and, and life-changing opportunities for his future children, his wife. Uh, and it's just, man, that's, it's the worst thing. It's just life's not fair, and it's just, it sucks that – we have to endure these things, and I feel so sorry for his family. My condolences to the the players that were there with him. You know, the coaches that you know been around him probably love him and his family, uh, brothers, sisters, whoever. I can imagine. You know, I can imagine losing one of my brothers or anything like that in a tragic way of like that. Uh, it's just not fair, man. Um, and my heart goes out to them. My heart is heavy this morning for that. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and like again, I, I want to apologize for not putting that out there immediately. I should. I should have drop that immediately because that was that was heavy on my heart as well man it, it's uh it's just it's it's it sucks in in every way imaginable and i don't think there's really a a, a a way that we can structure a sentence or a paragraph or a take that makes it better and that's why like when, whenever i have folks that i'm close to that lose you know people like our guy Braden turner from uh ain't no seats podcast uh, made that uh, just uh, they gave out the unfortunate news that his little brother had passed away and his other brother was in serious con- critical condition. I, I DM'd him and I, I told him, "Hey man, look, uh, there's really nothing I can say that's going to make this better, but um, you have to understand there are people that support you in every way and they're going to be there, and I'm one of them. And uh, that's the only thing you really do for people like that. So, Trevor, I, I echo your sentiments. Uh, the Haskins family, the Steelers organization." Any and everybody that was associated with uh, Mr. Haskins, I I just I hope you guys understand there are people that are supporting you, and uh, this is uh, going to be rough, but you're going to get through it. And uh, I just wish him, not, I wish his family nothing but the best. Okay. Um, go ahead, you, you said no, no, I was, I was just agreeing with you. It's yeah. Uh, so moving on because we we obviously have a lot more to talk to talk about. We have our guy Kyle Henning coming on momentarily from the Kingdom Says podcast. We're going from two people. To four people momentarily because our guy, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, Eddie Ortiz, will be here uh, in just a second as well. There's one more thing I, w- I did want to discuss with you, Trevor, when it came to the Chiefs. 
when I first woke up this morning, it was something I was thinking about. And maybe I'm just being a, a, a serial optimist like Trevor said he's become and I'm trying to become myself. I'm start I, every single day I'm getting more and more excited about the Ronald Jones signing. Mm. And I posted a poll, uh, we posted a poll rather on our social media pages on Twitter and on Facebook about who do you think is going to get more touches this season between him, Ronald Jones, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, and I'm going to ask Kyle about this too when he jumps on. But I, I, I got to, man, it was weird. The, the first, because on Twitter you only get 24 hours to, to cast your vote. And at first, Clyde was getting the majority. Mm. And right around 20 minutes left of the poll, all of a sudden Ronald Jones got all of it. I think people are still getting used to the thought that Ronald Jones is actually, actually on the team. And I've gotten a mixed bag of reactions about the signing just in itself because there there are there is the camp of Chiefs fans or football fans that have followed Ronald Jones that think he's just an injury-prone guy that failed at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, couldn't get himself a chance. That's why they had to go and get Gio Bernard. You know, there's, there's those people. And then on the other camp, it's people that think this is going to be the next Kareem Hunt. Mm. Now, I, I find myself in the middle of both of those. But I'm slanting more towards the Kareem Hunt volume, too. I will clarify. I don't think he will be Kareem Hunt because Kareem Hunt is the only Kareem Hunt there is. He's a very unique running back. But his body size is almost identical. In fact, Ronald Jones is a little bit bigger weight-wise. Mm -hmm. He's the faster player. He's His also the first. younger player. Yeah. And I do know he's had some injury concerns. But overall in his career, he hasn't been an injured player. And I think that the Bucks' offense didn't suit his skill sets as much as I believe the Chiefs' offense will. Mm -hmm. So I, I I woke up this morning with a, with a lot of excitement about it because I actually do believe he's going to be the running back that gets the majority of the touches because I believe he's the most skilled running back in the Chiefs' depth chart as it stands. Could Clyde Edwards-Alaire end up becoming that guy, that first-round pick the Chiefs took? Yeah, I'm still open-minded to that. But if I'm if I'm making the choice right now who I want to see get more touches this season, both catching and rushing, I think it's Ronald Jones. Yeah, um... First of all, I'll just, I'll just say this. I think you want Ronald Jones to be the guy that gets more touches because that would tend to lead, tend to believe, that would tend to make it seem like we have the lead more often because he's that guy that you want toting the rock when we have the lead because he's that more short yardage, you know, just banging out three to four yards of carry, maybe five at times, I'm sure. But uh, uh, but yeah, I think, um, I think if we're going to compare the two, they're both very different guys. Obviously, you said he is very much like Kareem Hunt, built like him. Yeah, I think he's the better overall back. If I'm being honest, I think I think they want Clyde to become more of that scat back type of guy, and I think that's what that's going to balance out to. And I think Clyde's going to get a lot of touches too within the passing game as well. Uh, but I think we do have our guy Kyle on here. Let me oh, see. Okay. Go ahead and add him to the stream here. Uh, what's going on, man? What's up, everybody? There we go. Kyle, you there? What's up, man? What up, my brother? Look, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta keep tradition here. I gotta introduce you properly, so just hang tough because you're about to get a hell of an introduction. Okay? All right. All right. So we are pleasured and get and and, and honored to have Pleasure. our guy, the director of operations of the SIA Network, also covering the Chiefs of the Kingdom Says podcast. He does a lot of hockey. He does a little this. He does a little that. And even though he's ducked us a couple times, joking of course, but he's a busy man, we finally have our guy here. Let's give it up for our guy, 
Kyle Henning! Kyle Henning, how you doing, brother? Doing pretty well, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, not, not not trying to duck y'all. I did I did miss you guys last time. Uh, got caught got caught with the old uh, the old. You got stuff planned that you didn't know you had planned thing going on. So some of you I'm sure are familiar with that one. Oh, um, all too well, all too well. But no, man, it's it's good to hop on here and get a chance to talk with you guys. How you been? Everything's good. Everything's good, really good. Man. We're better now. We got you here, bro, because I, I, I think this is the perfect time to have you on the show because you're somebody, along with Tom and along with Garrett and everybody over there at the Kingdom Says Podcast, that I, I, I take your thoughts and viewpoints on all things Chiefs seriously, especially when it comes to the draft, especially when it comes to building or retooling the team. I want to start there with you first, Kyle, because I have a lot of questions when it comes to the Chiefs with former and current players, but when it comes to potential players, we've seen the way the Chiefs have handled this offseason where they've just they've made a little tweak here and there. They've been very conservative in how they've spent their money. They've gained a lot of money. They're currently sitting right under $19 million, I think, in current cap space. I, I do believe the Chiefs are going to be very aggressive with their 12 picks. How they're going to be aggressive is the ultimate question, which is, of course, why we have you here to give us your expertise on how they do it. Edge rush is clearly the Chiefs' biggest need. We know that cornerback is a big need. We know that they have defensive line uh, holes across the board. I think they have solid players around Chris Jones, but I think they can improve there. Right tackle is a question. How in the hell are the Chiefs going to attack this this draft? How are they going to utilize their draft picks? Are we going to see a trade for a current player? Give us give us your chaos here, Kyle. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Brett has kind of told you what Brett likes to do over the last few years. He's He's an M.O. kind of guy. He likes to do things his way. He's got a similar mindset when it comes to how to go about. Most GMs have their theory and their functionality of how they like to go about acquiring players and how they like to build teams. Brett likes to trade for guys, whether that's established players, whether that's draft pick move-ups. He likes to trade for guys. So we saw last year he went and, he went and got Orlando. Um Spent the draft pick on that. So, I wouldn't be surprised if you see them move up with one of those picks. Maybe the first and then you give up 94 to get to 21 to go get a guy you really like. Whether it's an edge rusher or whether they go to try to replace Tyreek with a with a wide receiver. Whether they... Um, I don't think the report that came out on 610 about them going into the top 10 is probably going to happen. You guys got to remember, it's smokescreen season. So <laughs> everybody is leaking certain things to certain players, places. And got to remember, guys, a lot of these people in the news have sources for a reason, but everybody has different sources. And, and the team knows who has whose sources. So they can push stuff out here and send right. stuff over here. So you get a lot of movement and smokescreens. Well, oh, we're trading up to... Trading up to get a get a wide receiver. Okay. Well, you were trading up to get a linebacker when you drafted Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> right. So I don't believe you, frankly. And that's fine. I shouldn't have I shouldn't believe you because you should be lying your butt off right now. You shouldn't be telling other people what you want to do with your draft. Right. Like I said, I <clears throat> I expect him and this is this may make some people upset. They may not keep either one of those two first rounders that they have. They may move one up 
to go get a guy in the draft they like, and they may move the other one to go get a player that they like from another team. And he's only ever drafted, what, six players in every single one of his drafts? Yeah. He's got 12 picks. I I would be very surprised if he uses more any more than nine of those. So I think you're getting at least one trade out of him, probably two. And I don't won't be surprised if they move around in the middle rounds to try to move up for a guy they like because they've got four sevens, and all those are ammunition to fluff up trade deal picks to be able to move up picks later in rounds. That's, well, that's interesting, that's Ky- Kyle. It's interesting. I, I wanted to actually stop you there. Guy, but... I actually want to stop you right there because you you mentioned the the trade for a current player. That's something that I have been echoing for quite a while. Another guy over at Arrowhead Live's been doing the same thing. Grant Morris. Those guys have been saying the same thing. If you had to make a choice, though, what what player would you like to see the Chiefs go and get in a realistic scenario of trading one of those picks in order to get them in, in an acquisition? It's tough because you got to remember the other team is wanting something out of the deal also. Um, I think you're probably most likely trade candidates as far as teams willing to move guys are the, are the commanders and, and the Seahawks as far as the receiver position is concerned. Um, that seems to be the topic of conversation, at least from the trade aspect of an established player. Haven't heard much about anybody wanting to, them wanting to trade for an end of any variety, probably because teams aren't super willing to give up pass rush at this point in the NFL. Um, you, you pretty much got to go either overspend to sign defensive ends, which is what we've seen already. That's happened before. We're familiar with that. Or you got to go trade for a guy, which we're also familiar with. With Frank Clark, you got the two for one with Frank. You you had to trade for him and you had to pay the hell out of him to get it. So, um, <clears throat> the free agent pass rushing group this year wasn't super like overwhelming to me. I wasn't off the charts impressed with it. Chandler Jones is a great player. That's fine. You also were going to have to pay him, as we saw, an egregious amount of money for a dude that's older and hasn't quite been as productive as he was when he was younger. That's fine. He's still a great player. I'm just not a big proponent of paying older guys that are debt declining huge money for stuff they did previous. If you want to write good, do make good NFL contracts, you pay them for what they're going to do, not what they've already done. And it's tough because guys that have already done stuff are like, hey, man, look at all this stuff I've done. You should be paying me for more. And I get it. It's, a, it's why it's the business side of the thing. So it's yeah. it's an interesting concept. I'm I'm not – I don't think there's a DN they're going to go trade for. I think you're looking at them having to draft defensive end talent. I, I saw – I was listening, actually, to your guys' uh, podcast after the Tyreek Hill trade went down. And you said uh, some pretty profound things about that trade. If you could give our listening audience, our viewing audience, your take, uh, if you want to basically verbatim that bad boy, because I know that was something you felt very strongly about with the Tyreek Hill trade on both sides of that. Give us your overall takeaway – of what took place between the Tyreek Hill, Chiefs, Miami Dolphins ordeal? So, for me, I understand both sides of this coin. Like, from the player's perspective, hey, man, I came in and didn't get drafted as high as I should have because of stuff that happened off the field that didn't go my way. I came in and kept my head down, worked, turned myself into a completely different player than when I walked in the door. Went to get my my next contract, and that didn't go well because something else got brought up that was off the field. So now I took less money again. Now I get the opportunity to go get my big deal. 
I've never gotten the big, huge contract, right? And I know he got played, paid plenty last time. But at the same time, the player's viewpoint is, I'm going to go get paid. Especially because he has the ring. He has the honor. He's got the hollow. He, look, man, he's going to the hall. He's he's going unless he just goes to Miami and flat out can't play football. Dude is going to the Hall of Fame with what his resume is. Um, he wanted more money than the Chiefs were willing to give him. Fine. The Chiefs were willing to pay him quite a bit of money, but not thirty million dollars a year. Which, by the way, we really got to stop talking about contracts in agent talk because agents love the fluffy money it makes them look like they did a whole lot more and they got all this look at the guaranteed numbers and contracts the guaranteed money is the only money most of the time those guys will ever see yeah so they weren't willing to give him roughly what translates out if you look at the guaranteed money to about 25 million a year they were in the 22 million a year range i i get tyreek wanting to leave i get tyreek I, w- I get the Chiefs wanting him to stay, but not wanting to pay him that much. Now, when you're in that position, when you're stuck with, okay, we like him, but we don't like him that much. We could make him play next year on his current deal, let him run it out, let him be disgruntled, let it be a, a overhanging thing like we just saw with Tyron, and get nothing for him when he walks next year. Or you get a king's ransom for him because you get more than what they got, what Green Bay got for Devontae Adams, and everybody tells me Devontae is better. So, if Devontae is better, and we got more for Tyreek, that means Brett Veach is a better GM. It sounds like if I'm if I'm doing the math right on these logical equations here. Yeah. So, <laughs> you take your five picks, you take your two first rounders, and you try to rebuild this team in holes because this we know everybody that looks at this team knows. They have holes. You started the conversation with they have a hole here, 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 and here. Okay, well, how do you fill holes in a league that's salary cap driven? You got to draft and you got to find value guys. They signed basically four guys for Tyreek Hill's contract. That's a big deal as far as roster building is concerned. Are any of them going to be nearly as good as Tyreek? No. That's not how this works. But your overall production from those players where you allocated those resources differently, you're probably going to get more impact than what Tyreek brought just because of the sheer number of bodies you're throwing at it that are going to play significant roles for you on this team. So I'm okay with it. I wasn't originally happy at all with the return, but after looking at it more and going into it more, I've become more okay with what they got. You Five picks for anybody that's not a quarterback – no matter what the picks are, is a lot of picks. Now, again, I'm not a super big I hate I hate taking proven guys and turning them into lottery tickets. But when you're not given really an option, you get as many of the lottery tickets as you can. Yeah. I think we echo uh, I echo your sentiments there for sure. That's it was a full circle for me. The the day was of the day it came down, I was ultra depressed. I was super pissed off. I was just tweeting through it. And after a couple days, and I knew that he wanted to go home or at least be close to home, and they weren't willing to pay him that money. Along with that, I'm willing to live with it. And like you said, when you can get five picks out of a non-quarterback, something you did something right. But speaking of another veteran player that was a key contributor to the Chiefs having so much success over the last three years, 
Tyron Matthew has now officially moved on from the Chiefs. We don't know if he's going to play, when he's going to play for another team, what team that's going to be, but we do know it's more likely not going to be the Chiefs. And Sam McDowell came out with an awesome piece this, uh, I think, a little over 24 hours ago, actually. Yep. And that sit down with Tyron Matthew. And I, I don't know, Kyle, if you got to read all of it or not, but this was all something. Of it, no. Plenty of screenshots and pieces because, sorry, I'm not paying for the star. Not <laughs> fair enough, man. Totally fair. But something that I, I, I started the show off with this about my takeaway on it, about Tyron Matthew, about the, the passion and the and the boisterous ways of, of what he was as a, a top-tier athlete is why the Chiefs brought him in, and it changed the culture here. But it's also a part of the reason why I believe they moved on because he himself admitted in this article that – Knowing that this could potentially be his last season in Kansas City, it, it bogged him down and it distracted him from playing at his highest level. Whether that's the truth or not, he's admitting that. And I think the Chiefs realized if this is something that he can't handle and we need to get younger, we need to get cheaper, this is the perfect time to move on from Tyron Matthew, a guy that they brought in to do what he did. And I think they got the most out of what they could get of Tyron Matthew. And looking at it from somebody who was very much pro getting Tyron Matthew back, I think I now fully understand what the Chiefs were looking at and why they did what they did while letting him walk and, and, and signing Justin Reed to the team-friendly contract they got for Justin Reed. And I know Tyron Matthew said himself that if they offered him the, Ty the Justin Reed contract, he would take it. I have a hard time believing that because I think that Tyron Matthew markets himself, especially a month ago, a lot higher than a team-friendly deal like Justin Reed got. What are your thoughts on the Tyron Matthew situation as a whole? All right. I love Tyron, okay? I, Tyron, we wouldn't have a Super Bowl in Kansas City if it wasn't for Tyron and what him and Frank and them and that the whole morph, metamorphosis of that defense from 18 to 19. Some people forget or like to forget just how – godforsakenly bad that 18 defense was but it was one of the worst defenses in history like ever guys so when you come in and you have to change an entire landscape and culture basically press the entire reset button on the defense it takes a lot and it takes a smart player to do what you have to do in spags system so i, I like tyron a lot did he did he make some decisions last year yeah he did. It also not necessarily surprising because, again, we just talked about it with Tyreek, man. What are you going to do? Is, this is the same conversation about Tyreek from a few minutes ago. Are you going to let him stay and play on that deal and let him play out his deal and him be disgruntled and him maybe not go be quite as focused or be quite as dialed in? Look, they're still pro athletes. They still are. It, they're still focused. It's just not their otherworldly next level focus type thing. That's that's what I take away from some of what he was saying in that article about that. I also think he played hurt quite a bit last year. So that factors in too. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm torn where he's his future leads because he didn't want to leave Kansas City. Right. He said that. And it's not like it's a secret. His kid doesn't want to leave. His wife has a store here where <laughs> they're in Kansas City. Like they have they kind of put down roots. And guys don't really like leaving Kansas City. Kansas City for for what for all the things that it is, it's it's a really great city to live in. If you don't believe me, ask all the pro athletes that move there to play their pro careers there and don't leave. Yeah. There's plenty of them, and they're great people to have around the community too. So it doesn't surprise me um, that he doesn't want to leave Kansas City. 
I'm I'm curious to see where he ends up. Uh, the longer this goes, the more this becomes a what does Tyron want versus what does Tyron want paid. And that's going to be a question he's got to figure out with himself. Um, but he's still he's still more than more than capable of playing safety in the NFL. Is he a t- guy I would have paid in a insane contract to given his age and his injury history and all the other things probably not so i get why kansas city's not willing to give him jamal adams money or 14 million a year or anything like that they weren't willing to give justin reed that either so when when beach builds these rosters we were top heavy for the last couple of years with with contracts with with the players it's it's a stars it was a star studded top end of the lineup but the depth wasn't as deep as it probably should have been or we would have liked for it to be. And that kind of showed itself in portions on these long runs because you're playing a lot more games than everybody else. You're playing a lot more downs than everybody else. You spend a lot more time. There's less offseason. There's less healing. There's less all the stuff. It's wear and tear on your body. And in the NFL, wear and tear is a big thing. So the better your depth is, the better your team is going to be because – you have enough guys to wear the next man up mentality. The NFL mantra has been for 35, 40 years is actually something you can do. I, I hope Tyron lands somewhere. I wouldn't hate seeing him back in Kansas City as the third safety because I think it would give them insane flexibility on the back end with Thornhill, Reed, and him to be able to just kind of, wee, whatever we want to do, put him anywhere. <laughs> but I it's he's got to want to come back here. They've got to be willing to bring him back in for another year, for another year, or maybe two. It's probably a one year deal if he comes back here at all. If it's ever even an option, like I said, I I think he ends up somewhere else eventually. But I wouldn't mind seeing him back as the third safety. Hell, go let him be Dan Sorensen, except like the souped up, crack, cracked out Superman version of Dan. <laughs> We uh we had Jason Dunn from Chief Concerns uh, podcast last week. Yes, he's our he's our brother, man. Our former Chiefs tight end. Which, by the way, I gave him plenty of flowers last week and said, you know, we always talk about Travis Kelsey and and Tom, Tony Gonzalez being these prolific great tight ends through Kansas City history and in NFL history. Man, our guy Jason Dunn needed a lot more respect and credit than what he got because he made all those plays possible for Tony Gonzalez, getting those getting those blocks in, you know, making it look easy for Tony, but. We asked him a question this last week uh, in regards to the the AFC play the AFC structure as a whole, not just the AFC West. We know the AFC West has been you know very aggressive, very active this offseason with J.C. Jackson going to uh, the Chargers, Khalil Mack going to the Chargers, the Broncos going and trading in historic fashion for Russell Wilson, and you know going and getting uh, I believe uh, uh, Gregory from uh, the Dallas Cowboys. You know, going and getting these moves, but then you see some desperation acts, and in my opinion, they're desperation acts. You see the way the Bills are paying 33-year-old Von Miller. Then we see the news today of the Ravens signing a two-year deal worth up to $15 million for Calais Campbell, who will be 36 years old by the beginning of the season. I understand why these teams are doing this because they got to get within arm's reach of the Chiefs. They they are sick of seeing the AFC Championship being played at Arrowhead. I get why they're doing it. But I don't think these moves are going to pan out for some of these teams the way they're hoping they will because a lot of these guys are at the tail end of their careers. They're coming off injuries. I think a lot of these moves are desperation attempts to get that shot, to get that crack at the Chiefs. What has your takeaway been 
with the AFC and as aggressive they've been this offseason? So the AFC is the gauntlet at this point. Like you can look at everybody that looks at this league. There's there's one one conference that's clearly and miles different than the other. So it is what it is. The AFC loaded up. Everybody in the AFC knows they have to compete. And in order to compete, they've got to add arms. So they went arms race. And everybody loaded up on big ticket items and expensive things. Now, here's the thing. Guys are free agents usually from their teams because there's a reason for it. Like, most of the time, if a team thinks that a guy is really, really, really good, they don't let him go to free agency if they fit their system. The only time they really go to free agency is if they're just flat out out of market on price and somebody's willing to overpay see christian kirk's contract in down in down in florida like what are we talking about 21 million dollars <laughs> for christian kirk guys like that's what happens in free agency um a lot of these teams made big swings they also got more expensive and usually and for the most part got older than they were uh they they ate up a ton of cap space and a ton of their percentage of cap getting older with older guys now proven older guys like i said i'm not a, i'm not opposed to adding older or veteran players at, at the right cost but some of these moves were huge like you said huge deals for guys that i was like wow i i did not expect that dollar amount for that guy part of that is the salary cap and the jump that it's getting ready to make over the next few years there's a lot of anticipation for that and people forget don't don't forget when the nba went through their salary cap thing you had you know the ninth guy off the bench ended up getting $12 million a year for who knows what, like, Oh yeah, that guy's salary just quadrupled for, cause we have to spend enough to get to a certain point. And we have, that's what the market has now dictated because the shift in the cap has jumped up. So cap stuff is interesting to pay attention to. It, it's a movable thing, but I'm curious to see. It seems to be the method for the chiefs, when, I, when, I, when the teams zig, they go the other direction and zag, and they do it differently. So everybody loaded up this year on big high-ticket items and made trades and added players and spent a bunch of money, and Kansas City went the opposite route and traded away a big piece and added a bunch of picks and signed a bunch of guys, multiple guys with that money and not one guy. And it's a different roster-building construction than the rest of the league is really going through at the moment for the most part. For the most part, these teams are doing the Rams strategy now because we see it every year. What did the team that do last year that won do? Let's do that. That's what. That's exactly what happened with the Chiefs when they won. That's what happened when Tampa won. That's what happened when, when the Rams won. It, it's it's all it's been a thing for years. Well, that worked. Let's imitate that. So, the Chiefs are doing the opposite. I'm. I don't know that they're going to be dominant like they've been in the past this year. But they'll still win plenty of games, and they'll still get to the dance. And with Mahomes, just get in and find out. Once you're in, it's playoff time, and, and at that point, it's 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 one game for everybody. So it, it's much like just get into the dance in March for March Madness. Just get in. Once you're in, it doesn't matter what your seat is. Just get in. Yeah. Get, get, got a couple more questions for you here, Kyle. And then we're going to get you out of here because we do very much appreciate your time because we know you're a man that has things come up here and there all the time, bro. So your availability is is valuable to us here. But in particular uh, with AFC West, um, 
You know, I give the Broncos a lot of credit for what they've been able to do the last couple of years. Although they have not been a playoff team, they've had a terrible record over the last five, six seasons. Haven't made the playoffs since 2015 when they won the World, the World Series. I've got baseball in my mind. The Super Bowl with Peyton Manning in his final year. But they've had really respectable defenses. And Vic Fangio, I think, was a very valuable commodity for them because I think that was the only reason why they had any respectability. They made a desperation heave. They went and traded for 34-year-old Russell Wilson, who's coming off a bad finger injury on his throwing hand. He's been sacked damn near 700 times in his career. Uh, there, there's a lot of questions that I have about what version of, of Russell Wilson the, the Broncos are going to have. Furthermore... I think there's a lot of people that overlook how valuable Vic Fangio's defense was for the Broncos. And moving over to Nathaniel Hackett, an offensive-minded head coach who has really zero experience as a play caller, let alone a head coach. I don't think people realize how significant this offense season could be for the Broncos on the negative side. Sure, Russell, was, Russell Wilson could get the most out of the weapons they have, but even their weapons are unproven outside of Javante Williams, who was a rookie last season. So I am not making my prediction here yet, but I, I do have a lot of questions about the Broncos, even with Russell Wilson. And I'm concerned that maybe people are putting the cart ironically in front of the Bronco or the horse. What are your what are your thoughts on the Broncos this offseason and going into next season? I think everybody needs to slow down a little bit on Denver because I've seen a lot of hype and I get it. Adding adding a quarterback to a roster that looked like it pretty much needed a quarterback to be competent is a big deal. The other part of that is they are giving up quite a bit. They did lose several guys and they lost, like you said, Vic Fangio's a damn good dc even if you don't like him as a head coach man can coach defense regardless of what your feelings are as his head coaching potential and that broncos defense benefited drastically from having him i'm curious because i think their dc now is a first time dc also the new guy that they hired um so i'll be interested to see if that defense maintains the level that it was at last year um, I'm also curious to see if some of their additions on that side of the ball do what they think they're going to do. Cause I, look, man, Randy Gregory is what Randy Gregory is. He, I'm, I'm glad that he's battled his demons and got through all that stuff and went, got a lot of that fixed, but he has never had any kind of year that really warranted him getting paid when I watched him get paid. Now I know only 28 and something of that is guaranteed of the 70 or whatever, but still, man, that's, that's a large check to roll out for a guy who I think's career high in games played and sacks was last season. And one I think games played was like nine or 10 and sacks was like six. So I, I'm curious to see if he pans out like they think he's going to pan out. Um, I'm also not hundred percent sold that that offense is going to just explode and take off now that Russell's there. Uh, it's a new system. It's a new environment. They traded Noah Fant as part of the Russell Wilson deal. Um I don't know. I'm I'm I think I still I think the Broncos are probably still the third team in the division for me. So it, it's you made moves, you got better, but I don't know that you got good enough to really compete, contend, be in that conversation. Yeah. Granted, it, they may be better they may still make the playoffs as the third team in the AFC West because <laughs> the AFC West is going to be an absolute nightmare this year yeah. for anybody that's in it. It doesn't matter. You're, these teams are going to wear each other out this year. Don't be surprised if the Chiefs split games with teams this year. 
Fair enough. I, I I have this take on Justin Herbert, and when it comes to the Chargers as a whole, but I feel like I get people really upset when I make this point about Justin Herbert. First of all, I love Justin Herbert. I think he's an insanely great talent. I think he has shown us this dude has serious Hall of Fame potential. My issue with Justin Herbert going into year three as a starter is I think that we bend the rules a little bit for him and we we hold him to a different standard than other quarterbacks because I'm seeing people pencil him in as an elite quarterback, as in the same category of a or right at Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen. But my thing is I think it's unfair to put him in that place for himself and also just league-wide because of the fact that he hasn't done or accomplished the same things those other three guys have. What I mean by this is, I don't know, get your team to the playoffs. We, every single damn year, hear the pundits and hear see Vegas's odds of the Chargers being a playoff favorite, being an AFC West champion favorite, being an AFC champion favorite, especially over the last two years. The, the Herbert hype has been there, and yet they're 15-7 and seven with zero playoff appearances with a top 10 roster and a guy that people are saying is an elite quarterback. I believe the dude has played at an elite level at times, but he's also had unforgivable losses like he had against the Texans last year where he threw a pick six that was essentially a deciding factor in that game. I believe the Chargers could be a team that could threaten for the AFC West. I believe they're a team that could threaten to be a playoff team, potentially an AFC representative. But I need to see it first, Kyle. Is that unfair of me? And do you agree with my assessment on Justin Herbert to this point? We like the word elite when we talk about people, and we throw it around way too often. Look, it's not a knock on Herbert to say he's not in the elite tier yet. And people want to do this. First of all, when you put a guy in that tier, the expectations become different for them. For them and the expectations for others of them. As you said, that's not necessarily fair to Justin Herbert because – why Why is he getting expectations of the same expectations of guys that have already gone out and done the stuff that you just mentioned? Uh, elite is, like I said, is, is a fun word, but can he make all the throws? Sure. Is he really fun to watch? Yes. I love watching Justin Herbert play 14 other weeks out of the year than I do when he's not playing us. I, it It is what it is. He's a very good quarterback, but... We don't, like, everybody's like, oh, you you just want to talk about the playoffs. No, we didn't make these rules. Those are not the standards we set out. That's not, this is what the evaluation has been forever. If you don't have playoff success and you don't win in the playoffs and you don't win MVP awards and you don't win win Pro Bowl, go to the Pro Bowl and, and win all Pro awards, they don't put you in that elite category. That's just not how it works. It's never worked that way for anybody else. What was the conversation? Now, Patrick isn't really fair because he went nuclear immediately. But what was the conversation? Well, he hasn't done anything in the playoffs. Well, he hasn't won in the playoffs. Well, he hasn't taken them anywhere. And then it was, well, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. He hasn't got to that part. Like, there's rules to this. If you're going by what everybody does when we do this elite quarterback conversation talk, and Herbert hasn't done some of those things yet. Do I think he's going to have the potential to do some of those things? Absolutely. Do I hope the Chargers eventually stop shooting themselves in the foot every season? That would probably be good for them because a lot of their wounds are self-inflicted over the last half decade or more. They win. You talk about the Vegas odds and the, and the pundits. 
They win the paper offseason like every season. Every year. We hear about the additions and the and the moves and the how are you gonna beat this team and look at this defense. That's what they said about that defense last year, and it was like a 27th ranked defense in the league. It was it was bottom of the league in defense. So okay, like, and that's the other part. If you're elite, as we saw. You go to the playoffs with bad defenses. You win playoff games with atrocious defenses. And it's not just Mahomes that's done it. Brady's done it. Mahomes, or Rodgers has done it. Brady's not done it as often. He usually has a top 10 defense. But they've done it. They, these guys go win games that they're not supposed to win in, in, against teams that are on paper better than them. That's where you get the elite status. And finishing a season and finishing games and finishing teams. Chargers lose a lot of one-possession games. A lot of them have for a long time. Part of that, as Chiefs fans are familiar, because they used to lose a lot of them too, is on your quarterback to, to do those things. So when he learns to win some of the close games and win win late and be the reason, then you put him in the elite category. Till then, he's really, really good, and he's probably in tier two of quarterbacks in the league. But he's not in the elite category because there's only probably four of those guys, maybe five. I was going to ask you a Raiders question, but the their head coach is Josh McDaniels, so I think we all know how that's going to go. Uh, so we'll move along real quick, and I just I, I, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, let us know what's going on with the Kingdom Says podcast. What should we be expecting? Because you, uh, I know Arrowhead Tom has been uh, putting out the mock draft stuff. I just want to give you an opportunity, let the people know where they can find all your guys' work, because you guys are you guys put in and you guys put in when it comes to the draft, what to expect. And I just wanted to give you that opportunity to plug all your guys' platforms. So, uh, as Lance mentioned, Arrowhead Tom on Twitter, um, our guy Tom, he's uh, he's our draft guru, so to speak. He's he's put tons and tons and tons of hours into these prospects already. He's got write-ups all on his Twitter. Uh, the Kingdom Building series he's been working on for a while. He's got write-ups. He's got graphics for everybody to read through, strengths, weaknesses, the whole nine. So hop over to his Twitter, look at that. Uh, Kingdom Says Pod on Twitter, um, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, we're on it. Um, any of your podcast sites, apps, whatever, our, our episodes are all available there. We will be doing more. Uh, we, we didn't record this week because timing just didn't make sense for anybody. It was all over the place. Uh, Garrett turned turned 21 this week and he's been <laughs> celebrating the birthday a little bit. So happy birthday to our guy Garrett. But um so we've been doing that. We'll have more content coming out over the next few weeks leading into the draft. I think we're looking at maybe doing something live for the uh, for the for the draft. So uh, be on the lookout for that because you also probably need to be looking at your looking at your inboxes because I'll probably be sending some messages to some folks. So um, gonna have some people on there. Gonna do some stuff with the with the draft live. May do a live mock before um, to to kind of go over and may have some guests on from some teams to to kind of go through their selections and their thoughts on the mock and picks not off not everybody obviously um but do some of that stuff so check us out on all that and then we are going to be moving to youtube uh here here soon so you can see behind me my office is finally almost set up here so uh we're, we're getting to the point where we're going to be able to start going start going on the youtube and starting to get some of you guys more involved as far as you know the people that listen the people that watch getting being able to interact with the show drop comments talk ask questions because um, we've been doing it as a recording and, and doing it not live for a while now and we're we're in that position where we're about to start transitioning and really opening up some more things that we're going to be doing so um 
tune into Kingdom Says Pod on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and you'll for all the updates and you'll see as we as we morph into what we're gonna be starting to do here more. Especially now that our guy Tom is a local Kansas City resident. That's right. That's right. He's a, he's a he's a he's one of our own now, man. We we uh I was so excited when he told me that he was gonna be dropping in, man, and living out here. I was like, bro, it's 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 way better out here to have the full experience of being a cheese fan when you're in the thick of it. So that's it's good it's good to have and I'm, I'm actually really glad to hear that Garrett finally hit puberty too and turned 21 <laughs> we can all have a shot with him legally uh but kyle seriously and all seriously man we we really do appreciate you being here today king of Sped podcast is one of my favorites out there you guys are awesome at what you do and uh we we really appreciate you guys doing it. i'm really stoked about the youtube news man that's awesome to hear thanks again man thanks for having us on we appreciate it uh, love the show I, I won't get on Eddie too much this time because because uh, I still I still don't think Lance and Trevor gave, gave you enough for that Chargers that Chargers game in the middle oh, of last year. There was a lot of off the camera stuff. As long as it was given to him at some point, that's great. <laughs> oh, there were many two pieces handed out afterwards. He, he I think he almost went on the the DL after that one, man. He went on the disabled <laughs> list after that one, but. Nevertheless, Kyle Henning, thank you so much, my brother. We will have you back on shortly. Uh, shout out to Kingdom Says Podcast. We can't wait to get you guys back on. Best of luck to you guys this uh, offseason. Can't wait for football, man. Thanks again, guys. Enjoy your rest of your show. Have a good one. Thank you, you very much, Kyle. You bet, man. Kyle Henning's one of my favorite guys. He uh, he actually stayed out here in Kansas City a couple months ago with us out here, and we ended up, I think we ended up staying up to like 2, 3 a.m. just talking football, talking life. Uh, he's one of my favorite guys because he just he's a no-bullshit kind of guy and just tells you how he sees it, and he's very informative. They have a great thing going over there. If you want anything draft-related, man, I highly recommend The Kingdom Says. And like I said, he, he said it himself, Arrowhead Tom's been tirelessly just been crushing it, man, when it comes to these write-ups, these mocks. Uh, if you're looking for players that the Chiefs could potentially get, I do believe that Tom's going to have it where you want it, man, and he's going to give you guys some ideas of where he's been big on Sauce Gardner, which I totally understand because this kid's an insanely talented cornerback. Uh, I have a hard time believing the Chiefs are going to go cornerback first in the draft, but yeah. we've seen some unpredictable things before, and I don't think that Veach values it at that level, but Tom could very well be right, and if you guys want more information on that, go follow them. They have great content. Eddie, it's good to have you on the show today. How you doing today, buddy? Hey, buddy. I'm doing good, thank you. It's a different mic, I see. I, I, I found it. You know, I was like, you know what? We need to give Eddie something that's Color a little bit more of a masculine look. Let's upgrade from the pink, and let's give my guy something that has a little brute to it. So congratulations on that. I just hope it sounds okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, so let us know in the comments if Eddie sounds uh, like this beautiful, normal self. If he has that Mariah Carey-esque uh, voice going on then, then the microphone's obviously it's auto-tuned it's auto-tuned because I can put it like, put it like this <laughs> if it was like vomit to I mean <laughs> yeah it says the, the microphone adds that. 10 pounds so congratulations <laughs> to that, that as well but Eddie we, we did start the show off uh, I know you were busy before and we adjusted on the fly but I, wanted, I do want to get your quick thoughts um, and then we can get to the Eddie hour on, on, the, on the Tyron Matthew article that came out from Sam McDowell I already expressed Trevor already expressed his his, his viewpoint on it I just want to get your thoughts because I feel that it did explain Tyron Matthews' current state of mind because of everything that he's come through as an adult, as a as a child, all the way back. It gives its whole backstory. And then it explains why he has the mindset, the passion, the zeal, the fervor, all those things, the moxie of what Tyron Matthew is as a person. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons, along with his all-pro talent, as to why the Chiefs 
bet on him for the last three years to be a guy that could be a culture changer, a production bringer, and an ultimate, like our guy Kyle said on that on that segment about how we don't win the Super Bowl here in Kansas City if it wasn't for Tyron Matthew being in Kansas City. Having said that, when you see that the, the mental landscape of things can be a little bit dreary for Tyron Matthew when he knows the pressure's on contractually, mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs realized, yeah, this isn't a guy that we can trust for the foreseeable future to give money to if it's something like this that can that can shake him to his courts where it's an on-field problem now. The Twitter stuff, I think they were willing to deal with if he was still producing at a high level. But when he wasn't producing as much, he was making more business decisions on the field last season, I think it was an easier transition for the Chiefs to move on and give a younger, more athletic guy like Justin Reed a contract that was more team-friendly to begin with. Mm-hmm. Also, the fact that I don't believe that Tyron Matthew, Trevor and I kind of agreed on this. I don't necessarily believe that Tyron Matthew, when he says, or that he, when he said that he would have taken the Justin Reed part, I know this is something you were big on as well when we talked about this yesterday. We didn't really go into detail, but I, I would like to get your viewpoint on that whole entire aspect of where Tyron Matthew is and why the Chiefs decided to separate themselves. Look, man, we, we all saw last year um, Tyron Matthew. He did, he did deal with that, uh, that knee injury, I believe. Uh, what was it like week six? I can't remember exactly when that injury yeah. was, but I know, I know he was about he missed the was it after COVID? He only after, he only missed one game. It was to the Browns. And then which one was the game where he he was banged up? Uh, uh, there was quite a bit of them, but I know that he got banged up, and I believe it was the was the Cowboys game. Yeah. He only missed that one game because of because, because of COVID. COVID. Yeah. yeah, but I know he was banged like yeah, his knee, knee or issue. something. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how healthy he was uh, all last season, but you could tell. His style of play was no longer the same. He was in tackling. He had very, uh, uh, he had plenty of opportunities to tackle the quarterback, and he just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. He had other opportunities to to make the stops, and he just didn't do them. Uh, he was getting outran in some of the plays. So it was a a very different time, Matthew. Like you said, making those business decisions on the field, and it was starting to show a lot more and a lot more. And I'm sure the Chiefs looked at it and said, are we willing to pay him $14, $15 million going into next the next three years? Or can we find somebody that can do just as much, if not a better job, than what Tyron Matthew has shown us this year at a cheaper value? Right. So I figured the Chiefs were, were convinced uh, that uh, they got everything they could out of Tyron Matthew. No disrespect to Tyron Matthew. He's still a fucking baller. He's still one of the great safeties out there. Uh, he's the best safety in free agency right now. So it's not like he's the worst player out there. No, he's still a good, solid player. Mm. But he's no longer the Tyron Matthew that he was. Maybe leadership-wise, he is the same. But uh, ability-wise, uh, physical ability-wise, he's no longer the Tyron Matthew that we once knew. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I... I don't believe when he said that he would have taken what the Chiefs would have given him. I think he he said that more of a fuck like nobody's paying me, so at this point, like all I can say is like, yeah, I will take that money and see if another team will bite, and then maybe they can offer me something closer, similar to what Justin Reed just got with the Chiefs. So I, I feel like it's more of a business business thing for him now. So that's how I feel about it. Um, I'm not saying he he wouldn't have because I don't know. But yeah. It's so hard to believe that he would have 
knowing that he pretty much stated that he was going to get paid what he was worth and all this stuff on social media. So, but yeah. Yeah. And, and Kyle actually said something that I think gave our viewing and listening audience a, a glimmer of hope of a potential reunion with Tyron Matthew and the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I do agree with Kyle. If, if if there was a scenario where the Chiefs revisited this conversation and brought Tyron Matthew back or at least thinking about it, it would be a one-year deal. Because yeah. they clearly aren't looking to move on for the foreseeable future with him. And anything over a year deal would be foreseeable future. And I think they showed that. Um, because I think it goes deeper than just the figure. I think it goes deeper than, oh, it's 14, 15 million, 16, 17. Yeah, we can't do those numbers. I think it was the fact that they were trying to move on from it just from all of it. Mm-hmm. Because like I, I do believe there was there were business decisions. I do believe that he was dealing with injuries. But so were a lot of guys. A lot of guys, yeah. And, and I don't think that that's something that you can say, well, let's give him this contract because he was dealing with injuries. No, it's actually sometimes and most times the opposite. Because you're dealing with injuries and because you will be in your 30s and because you don't play a position of immediate need and value, we're going to move forward because, as I told Trevor, I think the shitty thing for Tyron is because of the position he plays. Mm-hmm. Let's say he was six, seven inches taller and 100 pounds heavier. And he's a defensive end or a defensive tackle. The Chiefs are probably keeping him. And they're probably going to pay him a lot of money. But because of the position he plays, because of his age, because of his size, because of all the things that he does off, out of the field, that although I get it, he's passionate, he's passionate, he's driven, he's a person on an island. He's a leader. A lot of times, yeah, a leader, a guy that gets the attention of other grown men. You want those guys. But when you start to see the, the, the twilight of the career and you start to see him make those business decisions and he's dealing with injuries and he's getting older, I, I think the Chiefs have realized this is – we got the most out of it. And just paying safeties that much money, top-tier money, is just a bad move. Yeah. We, we, as much as I love Jamal Adams and all these other guys, like the – those signings just haven't worked out we for the teams that have done it. The teams that have done it. Yeah, the teams that have done it. Just those those big contracts for safeties and cornerbacks and stuff like that just doesn't work out. It's not a smart move. You yep. pay the most important position players, which is left tackles, quarterbacks, and some certain skill some players. That's maybe yeah. really it. Maybe a really good linebacker or defensive end. Yep. Those two. Those other. That's about it. You don't pay safeties and rotational guys that are corners. I mean, granted, there are great corners, but even the biggest contracts in the corners realm, I, I'm not a big fan of because I don't think they're that big of an impact player. It all starts in the trenches. And I also told I, – I brought this up before Kyle jumped on with us today, Eddie, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well. I, I Maybe I'm becoming like Trevor, more of a serial optimist here, but I, I every single day I'm getting more and more excited about this Ronald Jones signing. And the biggest reason why is because, I, there's like I told Trevor, there's two camps – I think on one side, it's the people that are looking at Ronald Jones going, oh, he's injury prone. He failed in that Bucks offense. They had to go get Gio Bernard to replace him as a backup to Leonard Fournette. And then there's this other camp of, holy shit, they just got Kareem Hunt volume two. I find myself a little bit in between both of those, but I'm leaning more on the side of he could be that next Kareem Hunt. I don't think he will be, mm-hmm. but I think that you're going to get production that justifies the signing, which really wasn't much at all. I think it was a one-year $5 million deal in total. Yeah. But I do believe, because I we put that poll out there a couple days ago about which running back do you think gets more touches this season, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Ronald Jones? And at first, it looked like a lot of people were going with, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But at the very tail end of that poll it swung in Ronald Jones's favor. I think people are still slowly getting on board with this with the signing because they see the talent, they see the age, they see the physicality that he can bring 5'11", 217 pounds, something we haven't had at a running back position since Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. 
I think the opportunity here for him to succeed is immense because Clyde hasn't popped yet. Could he? Yes, but he hasn't yet, which means that door to take run, running back one is still very much open, and I think the Chiefs are looking at Ronald Jones as the potential suitor for that because if he balls out this year, they could extend him because he's only 24 years old. So I think that we could see that possibility emerge, and I'm getting excited about this signing because I think he adds a lot of versatility to this, this offense if and when he can stay healthy and be in that position. What are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I mean, I agree with, with that 100%, but I, I guess I'm leaning more towards like the injuries and, and why did Tampa Bay cut him? What, why didn't they trust him to, to be that guy anymore? What I know they got Leonard Fournette, but I'm, I'm sure if he was the, their guy, there, there wouldn't be no, no opportunity for Fournette to become the starter, but becoming more of a kind of like a, a helper in a way, like a second, a second runner. So I, I want to know what happened there. And I, I, I want to know like how healthy can he be? So, but I'm not saying he's gonna he's a bad signing or anything like yeah. that. No, I'm, I'm I'm leaning towards more in the middle between both. He can be that that one piece that we really needed, and to to become to uh, maybe one 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 injury away from like missing the whole season or something like that. But I, I, I'm almost right there in the middle of both both ways, seeing both ways. Uh, but I'm very excited because. I can see people are starting to understand where this offense is going or shifting towards to. This offense shifting towards to uh, not having that uh, that that big play that yeah. those those uh, hard to get plays. This 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 offense is moving towards more of a uh, a quick a quick offense style, kind of, kind of like back a little bit back to like the Alex Smith era, but you're adding Patrick Mahomes to that. Yeah. So you're you're still gonna get those big plays. But it's gonna be more of a quick, quick style of, of play, and, and I think him and Clyde Edwards-Helaire are gonna share the load. I I think this is gonna be a, a running by committee kind of thing. Uh, I think they're gonna almost go fifty fifty. I, I think uh, Ronald Jones is gonna be more of a, a first kind of kind of downs uh, in in our side of the field kind of guy, and maybe the end zone because of his size. Yeah. And Clyde is gonna be more of that game manager in between those those parts of the field. So. It's gonna be very, very interesting to see, and maybe they're gonna uh, they're gonna start using Clyde Edwards Hellers to his potential, which is the uh, the run the running game and the catching game. So maybe we're gonna see that. Maybe Ronald Jones can come in here and facilitate that for Clyde Edwards Hellers. So I'm excited. Yeah, and and uh, Eric Eager. A guy that I've actually debated on, uh, debated with on Twitter multiple times. Uh, he works for PFF, so that should tell you why. Um, he had a tweet, and I was trying to look for it, but. He showed the, and actually I found it right here. <clears throat> Patrick Mahomes' big time throw rate, uh, rates of throws earning plus one or better on our minus two to two scale, ADOT in parenthesis. Uh, from 2018, it was uh, 7.3%, which was 9.6. All the way down, and it's been, a, it's been a, almost a, a slide. It went up, it went down in 2019 to 5.4%, went back up in 2020 to 6.7%. But in 2021, it went down to 3.6. So I do believe that there is that trajectory. And that's why I, I believe that the running back position is actually as ironic as it is in the Andy Reid offense can be that much more valuable in this offense because we did see even Andy Reid in 2018 was utilizing the running back position unlike anything we had seen since his Brian Westbrook days with the Philadelphia Eagles yeah. where he was dumping it off and letting him create in space on the flats. 
I want to see that more in this offense because you see this offense become that much more deadly when you're allowing these types of – even Daryl Williams. Ronald Jones is better than Daryl Williams. Damian Williams. Yes. I mean. <laughs> you saw these guys that just came out of nowhere – producing at, at high levels in big games. Like you said, Trevor Damian Williams yeah. could have very well been Super Bowl MVP. He had 11 touchdowns in his playoff He's career. playing behind Spencer Ware. Like, like. Yes. So you get these <laughs> skill position guys like Clyde edwards and Ronald Jones in the flats, utilize them more in the dump-offs. I don't give a shit if the, if the big play percentage drops. If it's effective offense, it's going to work, and it's going to give us that much more of an advantage moving forward against these other teams that are stockpiling dead cap money no. for aging veterans. Because imagine, they're they're getting all these corners and these safeties to combat the deep, down throw deep threats from the Chiefs. And then the Chiefs, as we talked about, zigging and zag, zigging while they're zag, they start utilizing more of the dump-off patterns, the bubble screens like Peyton Manning was doing back in his Broncos career. Yeah, These defenses are going to be pissed off because they spent all that money to try to get Patrick Mahomes. But if the play is less than two seconds long, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think I think I think he's going to be a great fit here. Um, I think his big playability, because we've we've been missing that. We've been missing. That. I know Darrell Williams has had big plays and has definitely shown that ability, uh, but it was in spurts. Uh, but I think I, I think I think uh, Rojo has a an every down back kind of role here. I think that could definitely happen. I know, and I think I. I think he's going to be the number one running back in this offense this next season. I do. I think he's the guy that's going to be an every down back. I think Clyde's going to come in and spurts and be a rotation. I think they've kind of lost a little bit of faith in, in Clyde, if I'm being 100% honest. Um, and I don't think that's what this signing means, but I think just the overall performances that we've seen from Clyde, Clyde, well, like kind of maybe a hand and a half. How many times were we like, oh, my God, Clyde, last year? You know what I mean? There wasn't very many good big plays from him, and we need that. From our running backs, too many times he was getting taken down on the first, you know, tackle attempt. He wasn't making a lot of guys miss that we would like. We were, granted, we were kind of hamstringing him a little bit, not utilizing him in the passing game as much as we thought we we should, because um, we thought that was his why we drafted him was to be that deadly guy. So I think Rojo is a guy that is good at catching balls. The only knock on him I have is not even the injuries; um, it's the, just the fumbles. He's had too many fumbles in his career so far in the league. That's we can't have that. But if he can hold on to the ball, the dude has. Nick Chubb abilities, breakaway abilities, making big plays. Um, I've seen his tape alone, college and pros. He has that Kareem Hunt, that Nick Chubb, that Derrick Henry-esque type of running ability. When he sees open field, he's gone. He's very quick for his size. He's good at running people over, good at making the first guy miss, similar to Kareem Hunt as well. He's not a guy that's going to get caught in the backfield and get taken down very often, very rarely. Um, so I think that's been a struggle with our running game. We haven't been able to find a true workhorse kind of guy. I think he can be that um, a lot more than he won't. Uh, granted, there's going to be a rotation. Clyde, I'm not saying Clyde's dumpster juice. I mean, Clyde's obviously got a skill set, but we've got. I think this opens up the ability to allow Clyde to shine on what we know he's great at. And I don't. I just don't think Clyde was ever deserving of that first round pick. If I'm being 100 honest, I never really liked that pick. Still don't. Um, you know, if we would have got him the second and third round. Fine. Um, but he's going to be a, he's a true scat back. That's what he is. That's what he's great at. And I think that's what we're going to see. But I think who's going to be on the field more this year, who's going to get more touches. I think it's overwhelmingly Rojo for me. I, I do. I just think he's the better fit in this offense. And, and I think, you know, who knows we're going to attack, you know, like I've said, two plus two equals four, three plus one equals four. There's a lot of ways to win. There's a lot of ways to, to equate certain outcomes. And I think this offense might be a little bit different this year. We might run it a little bit more this year. Granted, I think we're going to pass, obviously, overwhelmingly more, but I think the addition of Rojo gives, gives us that, that dynamic back, that power back. 
And I think Rojo's a great fit in this offense, man, especially moving forward. All right, we're going to move forward. Eddie, what is in the Eddie hour this week? We, we, like I said, we had to adjust on the fly. Last-minute stuff right before the show came live today, guys, but Eddie's back, and now we got to get some of his takeaways, his thoughts, his questions, which I'm sure are going to be thought-provoking, and he's going to get me going, probably get Trevor going a little bit, but what is in the Eddie hour this week, my man? Well, I don't know if you guys already t- touched this or not, but I want to say uh, rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins. Uh, very, very tragic news this morning. Yeah. Yep. Uh, something that obviously nobody expected or anything like that, so... My condolences are with his family and friends at this time. Yeah. Um, all right. First question. Bobby Wood Jr. era has officially begun in Kansas City. What are your thoughts? I don't want to be the guy that said I told you all so, but I did tell you all so. Uh, look, I thought this was the perfect introduction for his career. That's going to be something that you go back to in 11, 12 years from now when he is you know, having his – Ninth, ninth or tenth All Star selection, and he's led the Royals to another World Series championship, and he wins a ALCS and a, and a World Series uh, uh, MVP. This guy's the truth, man. I, I really hope you guys understand. And I think that moment told you that that nothing is too big for him. This is why I loved him the most, more than the talent, more than the the five tool stuff, more than any of that. It's he is always ready. The moment is never too big. It doesn't make him crumble. He doesn't falter under the pressure of expectation. And trust me, he's got a bunch of it. We saw guys in all respects to Alex, all respect to Alex Gordon. Alex Gordon had a really good career in totality. Got a ton of gold gloves, but it took that man four or five years to really find his groove in this league. And he was a, he was never a really good batter. In fact, he was an awful batter most of his career. Wit is different. He's born for these moments. He, I'm telling you guys, like, you, you, we, we all sat back in Kansas City and looked at these other teams that just drafted these guys and ended up becoming these phenoms. You're like, how the hell do we not get these guys? We also have, like, these solid players. Like, look at the 2014 and 2015 Royals that got some back-to-back World Series. None of those guys were phenoms. None. They were all really good, solid players. Mm. And they won as a collective. Witt is one of those guys that you look at the Yankees and Phillies and Red Sox and Mets and... All these big market teams, Dodgers, and you go, man, how did they get that guy? What the hell, man? Why can't we draft that guy? The Royals finally got that guy. He is that guy. And that double, RBI double, to basically decide the game in his first ever game is the perfect representation of what he's going to be here in Kansas City. Could he have rough stretches? Yes, it's baseball. It's a long, grueling season in sports. He's going to have those. He's going to have some cold streaks. People are going to question if he's really ready or not. But I'm telling you, be prepared. Mark the tape. Bobby Witt is going to be a Hall of Fame baseball player. And he showed it early and often. I cannot wait to witness it, witness his entire career because it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much more to add to that. I think Bobby Witt is absolutely the future, not only for the Royals, but this league. I, I think he's an absolute stud in the making. Uh, that swing is just a thing of beauty, man. Watching that guy swing that bat is when, when he's pulling them shots left. This is... Beautiful, beautiful watch. I'm not even a big baseball guy, but I, I can understand that the I can respect the poetry and motion that is, you know, certain special players that swing in the bat and just playing the game in, in, in the, its purest form, and that is Bobby Witt. So I'm excited. I know the city is over the moon for this kid. It's good to see him out there being a part of this roster, being able to shine. 
I just hope, like you said, I just hope that the Royals can learn how to market this guy, learn how to let this guy just take over this roster, be the face of this team. <coughs> this team is, yeah, having Grinky back is huge for him too, I think. You know, kind of taking some of the pressure off him, you know, a big no-name, a, a team favorite, a fan favorite, but yeah. coming back to this, it kind of – That's a good point. It's a good, you know – Balance to the oh, the pressure and the big name that Bobby Wood is supposed to be and become. So I think that's a a good veteran to have in that you know that room uh, with him as well. So this city's stoked and it's for good reason. The kid looks like the truth, um, and I am excited to have him here. I'm, I'm glad that the royal the Royals needed this. The Royals needed a guy like this, um, and I from what it looks like, the kid has the trajectory of this kid's career is there's no there's no no limit. There's this sky's the limit. So. Yep. All right, let's – one more baseball question. So, yesterday, Aaron, Aaron Judge officially – or they, they, him and his agent officially rejected an offer of seven years, $213 million uh, deal with the Yankees. I want to get your thoughts on that. It makes you really wonder what he wants. I, I did see that, too, because in all actuality, I know Aaron Judge is fun to watch. And he's an incredible masher. He can knock. He can knock the fuck out of a ball. Aaron Judge misses a lot of games. He's injury prone, and yeah. he's thirty years old now. Yeah. Like he's not a young player. He burst anymore. onto the scene. He did, when but he, he was twenty six yeah. when he did. Yeah, yeah. He's in his thirties now. I don't know really what he wants. He's in the mecca of baseball, New York baseball, the yeah. biggest market, biggest branding, all that, right? You're getting seven years, $230 million, knowing you're an injury-prone player that really only has one trick because you're not a great defensive player. He's got a good arm, but yeah. he's not a great defensive player. And he's only going to get progressively worth health-wise. I, I just want to know from his perspective, what is it you're really looking for? Is he trying to get out of New York? Because if that's the question, is he trying to go and try to get win, win some World no, Series? Because apparently he's, he's, uh, he said that he wants to stay in New York for his career. So he's just looking for more money. That, that's so I guess $230 million over the next seven years isn't enough for Aaron Judge, who, again, misses damn near 60 games a season. Literally. I'm not even making that up. That guy misses a lot of games. So best of luck to him. I hope Brian Cashman and him can figure out a deal you know, with, with them and the organization because if they don't, they got to go find another masher to, to team up with John Carlos Stanton, who also misses 60 games a season. I'm, I'm, I'm baffled by this one as well. I'm glad you brought this one up because I wanted to talk about this one because it doesn't really make sense on Aaron's side. If I was Aaron, I'd be like, yeah, unless you know. Yeah, exactly. Write that check now. Unless you know that you can go and get an extra $50 million attached to that, unless he knows that, unless he feels that he's being lowballed and he can make more, this holdout bullshit or, or disagreeing or rejection of that contract makes no sense for him. Yeah, I'm sure someone will overpay for him. Uh, just namesake and abilities and having that well, baby, guy that will put <laughs> that would actually be a good move, but not overpaying. I mean, if I'm him, I'm staying in New York. I mean, that's one of the greatest spots any any email. I mean, guys long to play in markets like that. You know, he 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 happened to land there and and, and start his career off with a bang there. Uh, the fans there love him. If you get, if you're in New York and you're a Yankee and the fans love you and you're a fan favorite, don't. I'm not a guy that's gonna sit there and try to tell a player what to do with his career. But leaving that is a dumb move. Yeah, I'm sorry. It just is. If you're in Boston, if you're in New York, you know, any any big market team like that, like you just don't leave when you're loved. You know what I mean? Like. Like Big Poppy in Boston, like he didn't, he wasn't brought, he wasn't, he didn't start his career there. But when he got there and he showed his abilities and he was, you know, attached to the fans, he got entrenched in that culture. 
Like he he's a Red Sox for life. That's yep. just what it was, you know. So leaving that market, man, would just be a dumb move in my mind for PR reasons for for his personal brand, his marketability. You're walking away from a much bigger window than you than you actually think. More than just money, more than just your contract. This is you know your. It's just for especially for baseball. Like it's hard enough to be marketed in baseball, but if you're going to be marketed, wearing a pinstripe uniform is one of the best ways to do it. So I think his best movie would would be to stay there, maybe take a little less money than some trash team would pay you. But you know, I mean, it is what it is. He's going to make his choice. I know he came out and said, "I'm not. I have no problem looking for other jobs." That's a pretty bold statement, man. And I don't. New York doesn't play. They will let you go. They will send you off and get you know whatever they need to get for you. Um, but if I'm him, I think the best decision for him is to stay in that pinstripe uniform. Man. Since just real quick, because he didn't play, a, he didn't play a full season in 2016. He only played 27 games because yeah. they, they brought him up later in the year. But since 2017, when he became a full player, he's missed 161 games. Yeah, I mean, so a whole season. And yeah, exactly. He's missed a whole season. When he's healthy. He's producing. Four full but, seasons. Now, yeah. 2020. Yeah. He missed. Okay, they only played 60 games in 2020 because of COVID. But he missed he missed thirty two games <laughs> in twenty twenty in twenty twenty yeah so he only played twenty eight games in in a sixty game schedule yeah he missed thirty two games so look man like I get it you want to make your money and he said he's disappointed I just read the article he's disappointed well you better get over your disappointment because That's far above the average guys <laughs> he'll be thirty games. he'll be thirty in a little over a week. Like this is the time for you to go and get that bag, man. Yeah, and that's all guaranteed money. Too. Exactly, it's that's... baseball. So, and they're giving you seven years. So they're gonna be paying you till you're thirty it's fucking seven years old. There ain't no. Way. I don't. I don't see Aaron Judge yeah. playing at thirty seven. Yeah, just from his stay health in New York, alone. Man. That's yeah. the best bet. So, oh my God damn. <laughs> yeah. Fuck me. All right, let's move on to UFC two seventy three, which is tonight. Yes, sir. So, let's go with the first bout. I want to. Uh, and I want to get your predictions on, on these three bouts that we got tonight. But the first one, I got uh, Chimaev or whatever, however you pronounce his name. Uh, Chimaev. Chimaev, yep. Chimaev yeah. versus Gilbert Gilbert Burns. I want to get your uh, predictions on This is the fight I'm so excited about. Chimaev is my guy. I've been following this dude for about three solid years now. Uh, I, I watched him before he ever even made it into the UFC. Th- this dude is an absolute truth bomb, man. What I mean by that is... He is everything the UFC needs right now because they don't have any of their prolific stars available. McGregor's out. Bones Jones is out. Uh, name any any big spectacle that they've had. They don't have him right now. So Chimeyev is that guy that I think could become that. Now, his English is a little broken, but as we saw with Spider Silva, that didn't matter. Or, or, or uh, uh, Josie Aldo. It didn't matter. Yeah. If, you're, if you're great, UFC people are going to love you. I think this is his opportunity to really put himself on the map because I think right now he's 11 or 12 and 0, and people. 10 and 0. I'm sorry, 10. Thank you. Uh, in his professional career. Yeah. But people's knock on him has been, well, he hasn't beaten anybody notable. Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns would be that, and he's going to beat Gilbert Burns, and he's going to knock out Gilbert Burns. I, I'm, I'm, I am predicting this now. <laughs> he's going to knock out Gilbert Burns. It might be a TKO. I think okay. he can maybe a stoppage. But Chimeyev is going to initiate, establish himself as one of the greatest fighters in the UFC moving forward. He's just now turning 28 years old. It's in the prime of his life. He has been biting and clamping at the bit for years now for Dana White to give him his chance. He's finally getting that chance. You're looking at the next champion in his weight class. It's going to happen. Chimeyev wins tonight. And I think it's going to be either a TKO or a knockout. Chimeyev is the overwhelming favorite, too. And it's crazy because, I mean, Burns is 20-4 and four in his career, his UFC career. 
Uh, and Chimaev's 10-0, obviously, for good reason, man. And I, I have Chimaev winning this fight as well. I don't know about a TKO or a KO, but, I mean, I know these guys definitely don't like going the distance. They don't want to go the distance. These, there's going to be some haymakers thrown, and these are two very skilled strikers going toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and I'm excited to – I may not be able to watch it live, but I'm excited to definitely catch up on it and watch the highlights of it. Um, yeah, but uh, Chimaev is a uh, minus 490 heading yeah, into this matchup. Favorite, so, yeah, and, Bur and Burns is a plus 370. Yeah. So he's a massive underdog in this fight, <laughs> which is crazy because Burns is a fucking badass. I can tell you about how good Jamaev is, bro. Uh, and Burns has got a chin. That's why I don't know about a KO. Um, he, he has been – he is on the downward more trajectory of his career, Burns, so this is a good time. But he's still a very much competent fighter. This is a uh, this is a step for Chimaev if he can go out there and, and light yeah. this shit up, um, which I expect him to. I think he's a better fighter at this point, and he is an incredibly skilled striker, man. That dude, he doesn't look like he hits you very hard, but he's got that sneaky power. He just has those big hands and just lands them heavy. Um, and he's not like a big guy. He's, he's a solid, solid lean guy, but he hits so damn hard. Has great. I mean, if he does knock him out, that'd be an accomplishment. I don't see it happening, but I'm not gonna say it can't. Um, but yeah, I do think Jamaev takes takes this fight, uh, takes this next step into his career, his young career, um, at, at, towards being a champion. Because I do believe we've all we've watched him together, and the guy is incredible. Uh, has a very bright future in the sport. He also got Peter Yan versus Sterling. That's a good fight too, as well. I'm not sure who's gonna win that one. I think um, Sterling's the the underdog there, but. Hey, you're taking my questions. <laughs> oh, you got more coming? Well, he only asked about the Chimeo. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Go for it, go for it. <laughs> my bad, my bad. I'm looking at the full card right now, so. Sure so excited about watching, watching this card or not watching it. Yeah, the, like, the, top, the top three fights. Why are we talking about this one? Yeah, the top three fights are going to be really good, man. But, yeah. So, yeah, my Chimeo. next question was uh, Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling. I want to get yep. your, your, your predictions on that. Oh, man, this is a tough one. I... I don't really know who to pick in this. Richard just said it himself because this this is this is probably the the, the most even match of the night. Yeah, I'm probably going to go Peter Yan though, and the reason why is I think that he's on he. It's the championship matchup, man. This is for the, the belt. Yeah, I mean, it, God damn it! Now I want to. I'm like I've been fighting for this one over and over because because Sterling's the more accomplished fighter. Yeah, he has more wins. He only has one more loss, but he's fought more fights. Peter Yan, I believe, is what. 15 and six, 15 and 2 or 16 and 2? He's 16 and 2. And then Sterling's 20 and 3. Yeah, and Peter Yon hasn't lost in like two years. I'm going Peter Yon. Give me Peter Yon. Uh, taking, the, taking the title? Yeah. The, the Bantamweight, I think, right? Is it, is it Bant, Bant, or Welt, Bantamweight? Bantamweight, yeah, Bantamweight. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go Peter Yon. Give me Peter Yon in this one. Uh, I'm keeping the champ here, man. I think Sterling is, like okay. you said, the more skill fighter, the, the, right. the, vet, the veteran here. I, this is, I mean, Peter Yan's got that power, though, man. Um, Sterling is the more, you know, good, better defensive fighter. Sterling's got four-inch reach advantage, That's too. what I'm saying. He's, he's, he's got the, he's the better counter fighter. He's, to hold an he's able one. to keep his distance and kind of keep him at bay. It, this one could end up being a boring fight because, yeah. you know, you know, a lot of times these title fights, these, the, the champ's just kind of trying to win, keep keep that title. I think this is his second defense. Um, so... I, I I just like Sterling. I think he's just got that that ability to keep his distance, be a, more of a counter fighter, and defend his title um, in a safer manner than actually having to go out there and try to take something from someone. He's out there just defending his crown. Uh, and Peter Yan's going to do everything he can to to use his power and, and try to knock somebody out, try to take it. But I just think I think Sterling's just going to be a really in defense mode and uh, and keep his his belt there intact. It should be a decent fight, but I could see it being a snoozer though. This is probably his first title defense, right? 
Is it his first? I thought it was his I second. Believe, okay. Yeah, because he beat Peter Jan by disqualification to the knee. The knee. To oh, the so head. it's that rematch. It's the rematch. Okay, that's right. Yes. Okay. So it was from that knee to the head. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is their rematch. So this so is Peter Jan's pissed. Oh, yes. Hey man. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> I'm all, I always like seeing the guy go take take it back. I like those kind of this. Especially because no he technically here. didn't lose it right in the octagon. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, yeah. Just, just like John Jones is actually the drama. Really the drama for this fight is there. Yeah. Yes. The drama for this fight is definitely, the narrative definitely is, is there. Yep. So the the main event of the night, we got the Korean Zombie uh, versus Alexander Volkanovsky predictions. <laughs> First of all, Korean Zombie is one of the biggest legends in the history of the UFC. People have watched him and loved him for a very long time. Um, Vol- Volkanovsky is. Nothing short of an elite UFC fighter. Now, I will say this. Korean Zombie has the reach in both leg and arm advantage. He is the taller fighter. He is the more experienced fighter technically. Mm. Volkanovski is going to win this fight, and he's going to win it soundly. He is, I believe, 23-1. and one. Fucking animal. Uh, he's just, he's yeah, he's just one of those guys that you have to pencil in, and until he loses or you see him actually take that defeat, you have to give him the advantage. Again, all respect to the Korean Zombie. He's an older fighter. He's I think he's like 41 now, if I'm not mistaken. 35. 35, I apologize. But he's an older Still fighter older. now. Um, I, I do think that, that he'll give it a go. Like, you'll see him try to give it a real chance in that first round. I think Volkanovski this at this title time, yeah. yes, is is the profound favorite in this one, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know what the odds are, but I can't imagine. It's got to be pretty Volkanovski is a negative 700. Yeah, see, minus, that's, it's even minus, more than Chimeyev over Gilbert Burns. Yeah. So he's going to win this fight. He'll probably win it handily. I think I give, so don't bet. I'll give the zombie one round. <laughs> I mean, put money I'll, put money on Young, man. I'll give, yes, I'll give, I'll give the Korean zombie one round. Yeah. I think in the second round, Volkanovski knocks him out, and I think it's gonna be over. Yeah, I I one hundred percent agree here. I mean, Alexander is a fucking animal, dude. Like this guy, I love watching him fight. He's a monster. He's a champ for a reason. Right. He's a proven champ in this in this league. Um, yeah, this it, this this could be a fun fight, man. I guess because both these guys got chins. Both these guys have been beaten and battered in fights, and both of them, these guys are gonna be able to stay on their feet and go at it. Um, but if it does go to the ground. Alexander's got that, got the advantage there in my mind. He's the more complete fighter here, uh, more experienced fighter. Um, he's you know he's twenty three and one for a reason. I mean, and that loss he took was arguably you know it was one of those ones that was kind of meh. Yeah. Uh, but listen, I I just think I just think I just think Alexander's got got this one in the bag. In my personal opinion, I think that I I think this is the biggest. <laughs> to me, like I said, he's a minus seven hundred for a reason. The guy is going to take this fight. In my mind, I think he's going to defend his title. Uh, and he could he could knock him out. Who knows? Um, I don't see this one going a distance. If I'm being honest, I think there's a TKO here. This is the one I would probably call a TKO if I was going to call any three of these, uh, any one of these three fights here. It'd be a TKO. I think it'd be this one. Um, I just think that's it's, it's an overwhelming favorite in my mind. So yeah. I'm going Alexander here. All right. Next question has to do with uh, with golf. Um, I want to get your thoughts on seeing Tiger Woods. Competing in a, at a professional level after obviously a near uh, death experience was a last year, and only just a little bit over a year he's competing competing again in the Masters. What are your thoughts? How, how in the world can I look at this and and think of it as anything less than one of the greatest achievements I've ever seen? I mean, think about it. Not just him at forty six years old competing at the Masters, mm-hmm. but. Having 509 days off due to what you just said, and it's not that's not hyperbolic. He could have died in that car accident. 
His legs were destroyed in that car accident. He's basically iRobot underneath the knees. Mr. Roboto. Yes, exactly. He Yes, and, and you try to see him, like, when he crouches down and tries to get the angle of, of, of his putt, he, he can't even bend down. No. And this man's out here going with the best of the best, and they are the best of the best out there. He's had to adjust and create and change a lot of things about his mechanics. Yeah, it's crazy. Not, and not just a, a rough course, too, I might add. Augusta, but the gusts of wind have been out there as well, and he's still out there competing. They said people were watching him, uh, pro golfers that were playing with him, said he looked better physically in day two than he did day one. Like you would have thought after day one, his body would have been shot, he'd mm-hmm. been exhausted. No, and we found out from John Middlecoff on Colin Coward show yesterday. See, this is why I watch this shit all the time so I can stay informed. John Middlecoff said that according to the trainers that he knows of Tiger Woods is. He trained for 190 straight days. No days off before the Masters. For shizzle. This man is 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 kicking his own ass to be ready for this. So yeah. he didn't walk on this, hey, I'm just happy to be here. No, this motherfucker's trying to win. One of the GOATs, I'm talking about the GOATs of all sports ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie, you, you told me yesterday about, was it Manchester's... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, manager. City, yeah. yeah, say that story real quick, cause I and I'm done after that. <laughs> so Pep Guardiola, who is the manager for uh, Manchester City or head coach, if you like American football, but he is the manager uh, for Manchester City, and he said that he was not happy at the Premier League for scheduling his match at the same time that uh, uh, Tiger Woods is supposed to tee off tomorrow. But obviously, mm. we don't know the times until yeah. at the end of today. But he just made a reference saying, it's like, I want to see Tiger Woods play this weekend. So I don't know why they would schedule our match when he's golfing. That's how iconic Tiger Woods is in a sport that otherwise yeah. 90% of people don't pay attention to. He's, the best, thing, he's the best thing that's ever games. happened to golf. He's the best thing that's ever happened to golf. It's, it's not even close. He, Yeah, I mean, so I'm not a big golf guy, but I will watch Tiger. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's just it's a weird thing, man. The guy just draws people. He's just, he's just one of the most marketable faces and in, in, in athletes ever. Um, so <clears throat> what he's done is incredible, man. After going through that, which could have been a life-taking and became a life-altering type of thing, he, he, he took it and rolled with it and has made the best of it. And now here he is in the Masters competing at a high level. Um, it's incredible, man. He's had to tweak his mechanics. And his legs were completely... You know, broken up into yeah. different pieces, man. His legs were shattered. So, um, I mean, it just shows you, you know, the love that he has for this game because he could have easily just walked away and gave up on that and had, you know, arguably one of the greatest athlete careers, sports careers in, in ever of all time. Um, and he's still wanting to add to that. He still wanted to, you know, groom his son into possibly being a great too. His son plays and looks just like him out there. Right. It, that was one of my favorite moments in sports, man, this, this past year. Yeah. Or just recently with him when he was doing that, and had him sitting down watching his son act just like it was just yeah, incredible. They have the same mechanics, They're, yeah. Everything is the same. Yep. Yeah, you love seeing that, man. So especially for him, you know, and the the, the rock bottom he's hit, you know, going through his relationship stuff with his wife and him, you know, having to, you know, fix his public persona and all these things he's gone through. The fans that have stuck with him, yeah, he's made his mistakes, man. But this is a this is more than just a golf story. This is a you know, redemption story for, you know, um, an American man that's, you know, put everything into his job and being the best at his job. And this is just, how can you not love Tiger Woods, man? Like, it just, I just don't know how anybody can not like him. It's one of the best things in sports. One of the great American tradition games. I'm not a golfer. I'm not big on golf, but I can respect the game and I understand why people love it. Yeah. Um, and the passion he brought to a utterly known boring sport 
This is why he changed the game forever. He made it what it was. And, you know, the game is forever better, better. I mean, imagine the eyeballs he's drawn to the Masters right now just from him being out there if he wasn't on there. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, you said it alone. You got guys of the biggest caliber in sports time. I don't know why they scheduled our game here. Like, the crazy, that's crazy. Yeah. The crazy thing is seeing him practice on, on what was it, on Wednesday before the first round on Thursday. Mm. It was insane. They said it was the biggest crowd they've ever seen his, at a practice, draw, his at a practice round. Yeah. At a practice, I, I showed a picture to one of our uh, co-workers, Matt, who is a really big, like, he's big on golf. And I was like, why, like, like there's a, why is there so many people? <laughs> he's like, dude, it seems like it's a regular round. He's just practicing. Yeah, he's just practicing on the 18 hole. Yep. Yeah. He's like... <clears throat> They said that there was almost like 10,000 people just there to watch Tiger alone. And you know golf is just eating this up because the oh, revenue yeah. streams right now are absurd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When Ty, uh, so the co- our co-worker said, it's like, yeah, when I heard two weeks ago that uh, Tiger Woods was flying to Augusta, just like, I almost lost my shit. I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah, 190 so, straight days that dude trained. It's crazy. To get to where he's at, and it's paying off. And yeah. Yeah. Just don't count the man out. I, I'm look. I'm not gonna be here and say that this dude's gonna win this Masters, or he'll ever win uh, another PGA Tour or anything like that again. But if it happens, it's not going to shock me because this man has done what he's done. <laughs> so I mean, he just, he just won the Masters two years, two three years ago. Yeah, because I mean, if if somebody's gonna do it, he's the person to do it. Mm-hmm. He, to my my opinion alone, I think he he potentially could be the greatest golfer of all time. Mm-hmm. Not Which, not just because like what he's brought to the game, but because the impact alone. The imp- so the impact, and then I, they were talking in the Masters. Uh, they were talking about Tiger Woods, uh, about the number one golfer being uh, in the number one position for a certain amount of weeks, and then they talked about Tiger Woods being in the number one spot for over six hundred and fifty something weeks. He was like, "That's thir- that's over thirteen years in the first spot." It was like. You still got a long way to go, right? Mm-hmm. So that alone tells you that kind of the kind of caliber of a of a golfer that that Tiger Woods. Well, is. Real quick, how many times do we talk golf on the Spoken Podcast? We never talk. We've had over a hundred and sixty episodes the right now because of Tiger Woods. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, Tiger Woods, yeah. exactly. That should just tell you. It just it echoes the sentiments of just his greatness and. You know, that's uh, kind of the argument I make about LeBron James. Moving forward, go ahead, go ahead Eddie. Speaking about LeBron James. Ah, All right, shit. Here, we go. here we go. What is the first move the Lakers have to move, have to make this offseason? Well, the obvious is there. they got to move off Russell Westbrook, and they've we've heard the reports that the Hornets, the Charlotte Hornets, are interested in getting uh, Russell Westbrook in a trade, which is more likely going to happen. Uh, and I understand from both sides why. For the Lakers, it's simple. They just have to simply get a better roster. The roster is old, and it didn't work out the way we anticipated, or at least us three anticipated. We all had them in the finals this year. Mellow to the Lakers. Um, yeah, the, the Lakers have to get younger. The Lakers have to get more talented because the guys they brought in just did not represent what they needed. Ken Bazemore was non-existent. Kendrick Nunn never played. Uh, and I, I just I just feel that they just didn't have enough firepower offensively, and their defense was even worse than their offense. And they put way too much on a guy that was in his 19th season because Anthony Davis, who can't stay healthy to save his damn life, missed over 40 games again this season. Um, I, if, if I was the Lakers, I would also try to entertain trades for Anthony Davis as well. I, it more likely will not happen because the contract and other teams just aren't going to be willing to give up money for a guy that's going to be 30 years old next year that has the injury concerns that he has. 
I'm willing to bet that Anthony Davis will be back next season. But what I'm hoping the Lakers will do is either go and get three or four guys that can be humongous contributors as role players and hope that they can keep Anthony Davis healthy this offseason, which I swear to God, that's the most impossible ask there is. Um, or they do go and get another legitimate star to put around LeBron James, get a couple mid-level exception guys, and then see what that team can do. Those are the only two options they have. More than likely, it's going to have to be three or four role players because you're not going to go and get an Anthony or a Damian Lillard in a trade for Anthony Davis unless you finagle yeah. or fleece the Blazers to do it and at the same time get Damian Lillard to finally agree to a trade as he's so foolishly and stubbornly not done to this point of his career. More than likely, it's just going to have to be some guys and give LeBron James an opportunity to do something in year 20 that we've never seen guys do in year 17, 18, or 19 before. Yeah, like lead the league in scoring. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he's by, by decimal points. He's stacking those. He's, he's 37 <laughs> years old and has averaged 30 points a game. I mean, Eight rebounds and six literally assists. Trying to do, yeah, he's averaging what everyone's freaking out about Luka averaging right now. Luka's not even averaging as many points. Well, but Luka's my like guy. 30 games? 25. But... Either way, uh, I want I want to say yeah. Moving on for us is step one. Um, getting rid of Frank Vogel, I guess, is the move they're gonna go. Um, I didn't I didn't think there was much Vogel can do. This team was just in distraught, man. There was just a lot of injuries, old rotational guys that were just past their days. Like it was just this was just a bad roster, man. It was a failure to you know accumulate, and some of that falls on LeBron for sure. Some of maybe and then having AD, you know. Only there for fifty five percent of the season, pretty much. It was just it's that's you can't. It's hard to overcome that, especially in today's league when yep. so much so much talent nowadays. You can't. You're going to get passed up, and if you don't have your second best player, it's just no team is out there winning consistently without their second best player. You know, uh, unless they have a loaded roster like the Suns or something like that. A very good, a lot of good rotational guys. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just AD. I would say AD would be a possible move, and maybe trying to get some trade situation set up with that, but I, I think this is the worst time to trade AD because he's so banged up. He's coming off of injury-riddled season. Um, he's great when he's healthy, man, but I think AD is going to be a Laker next year. I think they're going to continue that with him and LeBron. they got to figure out other pieces around him, get younger, uh, get some young guys. This is why I was so upset that DeMar, DeMar DeRozan move didn't happen and they got Russ instead. I was very upset about that. DeMar DeRozan, this team would have very much been in the middle of the seating in the, in the West if he was on this roster. I fully believe that um, because he would have been available. He would have been healthy. He would have been on the court playing basketball, um, unlike AD. Uh, and, and when Russ was on the floor, he was absolute garbage. Uh, and it sucks six. I like Russ, man, but this was, was unacceptable how Russ played this season. It was just terrible. Um, and he couldn't take criticism. He was fighting with fans. Just embarrassing. It was absolutely embarrassing seeing him do it on the Laker jersey. Um, and I'm sure Laker fans probably feel the same way. You know, he represented that jersey terribly. Um, so, yeah, a lot of changes. I mean, a lot of changes are going to have to happen this offseason. You can still – the craziest part is you can still build around an almost 38-year-old LeBron James. You can still build around that because LeBron did everything he could to prove his point that he's still very capable of being arguably the best scorer in the league. He was averaging north of 30 for – the lot, a lot of the season, especially towards the end of the year when they're trying to make a playoff push, there was just only so much one man can do. And you know, and you don't have your other guy, it is what it is. Um, so, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, I'm almost certain, will be Lakers next year. The rest of the guys, everyone else, Monk will probably be there because I think he proved himself. I think Monk played really well this year. Uh, and he fits, I think he fits with LeBron's type of style really well, too. Uh, but I did like LeBron playing off the ball. So they might try try to go for, I think, a Damian Lillard. If they could figure out a way to get him there, it would be great. 
a great scoring point guard because I think LeBron was playing really well off off of being the point guard, being a, an off ball guy, playing more of a two guard almost in a kind of a way. I think that was working, um, and I think it helped obviously his points per game go up. But yeah, I think finding another point guard, moving Russ, new coach possibly. Um, and just really getting younger in the rotational pieces. Find some guys that are fast and can score, good 3 and D guys. Those would be the moves I would look for. I will say um, they did say, and I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but the head coaching search, it does sound like Quinn Snyder would be there, uh, which would be a huge upgrade. Because I agree with you. I don't think this is Frank Vogel's fault. I know that there's other players that have been coming out and dancing on his grave prematurely saying, yeah. well, I never thought he could coach anyway. No, nah, man. Man, I, you got to stop with that. He's uh, a great coach. He was taking teams with the Pacers against the Heat dynasty and taking them to seven games and, and series. Is, and Frank Vogel, I think, is a good coach. I like Frank Vogel. But Quinn Snyder would be an upgrade. So yeah. if the Lakers don't get, go and get Quinn Snyder, that would be a massive upgrade. And I know LeBron would be happy with that because Quinn is widely known as maybe the greatest mind in all of basketball. Yeah. Jay Billis says it. He's known him since his Duke days. He has an, a very, very eccentric and unique mind when it comes to basketball. And I think, and you see it. He scared those Jazz teams to 50, 60 win seasons when they had no business doing that yep. with Ingles and guys like that starting for them. So, I, yeah, I, I think that would be a good move. I think the Lakers can get better. We'll see if they can become contenders again. But I think if LeBron can replicate what he just did this season and has a better team around him, they will 100% be playoff. They need youth. Season. Yes. They need youth, yeah. All right, last question for you guys. Should the NFL bring the USFL technology for the first down marker? Uh, kind of like that tennis kind of uh, kind of thing where they, they show mm-hmm. the ball right that, that it hit right before the line. Mm-hmm. Should they bring that kind of technology me, for the first down? Let me ask you this. Um, I don't know, Eddie, you probably didn't watch <coughs> back football back in the 90s. Trevor and I did. <coughs> but remember, Trevor, I'm just, I'm just going to ask you this directly. Do you remember when, when we were watching – football's young kids and they didn't have the first down marker hmm. on the screen the actual yeah. line and then you saw it with that did it get better as a viewing That's experience absolutely, man. because you felt like you really knew where the fuck yeah you can actually argue was. argue the call okay right. so yeah. imagine that but in more important tense where <laughs> it actually has to do with the outcome of the game not just the viewing experience why in the world would i be against it there's a reason why the usfl is putting that out there because they're, they're they're experimenting stuff for the NFL. We do understand that, right? Mm-hmm. The USFL is basically a puppet for the NFL. Yep. They're going to try things. It's and trials. if the NFL likes it, yes, they'll, they'll, they like what they're seeing on screen, they'll do it themselves. I think it's inevitable this is going to happen. And why? Because the chains are an out it's a it's an archaic maneuver. Mm-hmm. It should have it should have been done with 15 years ago. It's too much room for error. This this is the stuff they were doing in like on the set of filming the of Brian's song back in 1971 with Scott Can. Okay? Like this is stuff that they were doing generations ago. Where you have an actual marker and you're doing the chain moving, and then you go off of, you know, uh, oh, oh, I can put a paper through it. Oh, that, that's not a first down. Remember that bullshit? No! <laughs> Get with the times, man. Like, you're using replay already. You're using New York already to help you review things, get the calls right. Use the technology. If it works, use it. My, I always want to reverse these questions with the question. Why wouldn't we go with that? If it makes the experience better, if you get the calls more accurately correct... 
Why in the hell wouldn't you do it? Yes, 100%, Eddie, the NFL needs to go with this and go with this next season if they could. They won't. But the next CBA they do, they need to do this for sure. Yeah, I look at it similar to the pylon camera. You know, the, that made way too much sense. And the fact that no one thought about it for that long, the pylon camera has changed the game, man. Like, do you have a camera right there on the right along the pylon, right parallel with the, 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 the you know, the, 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 line, of the line of scrimmage and the, yeah. and the, and the, and the obviously the touchdown yeah. area? Hash so marks, yeah. yeah, hash marks. Yeah, the the line. Of, yeah, so it it made too much sense. It's it's almost like how did we not think about that for this long? So that's been a great addition to the game. It's confirmed a lot, and you know a lot of touchdowns or non touchdown plays. Um, so yeah, I mean the addition to you know bringing in the technology that we have. You know, look just look at the cameras over the last ten years. The the the, the incredible um, upgrades on cameras and angles and. The clarity of the game, and you know, it's just it's wild, man. So I mean, yeah, I'm all for, and I think obviously this would speed up the game too. It wouldn't take so long to review first downs, and you know, take so long to bring the chains out there and put a piece of paper in between the football, and, the, and it's just yeah. So that any way we can make the game more efficient, I'm 100 efficient and accurate. I'm 100 for whether it helps my team or it doesn't help my team. Accuracy and efficiency is what you should want in the game. It gets the game carrying along quicker and a more better rate. And it's just more validating for the fans to, you know, accept a bad play or, or you know, accept the bad or with the good. So, I mean, it's it's just the purity of the game will only get better with more accuracy. So, I'm with it for sure. All right. Good Eddie Hour. We appreciate it. We have one more order of business to get to. to, get to. Guys, what is it called? Hold this L. We, each and every episode, we finish off a series with a series of L's in the world of sports, whether they're friendly or not so friendly. We promise you, who's ever holding the L's in the world of sports, each one of us, they deserve those L's. Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo, 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 who's holding the L for you this week. And is it F1? It is not F1, but there's something uh, that uh, I don't know if we, I'm sure you guys know who uh, Jill Brandt is. Gil Brandt, yeah. Gil Brandt, or yeah. Jill Gil. Yeah. Um, know where you're going, and I appreciate you doing it, Eddie. Uh, so, so I don't know if people have been paying attention to Twitter. Obviously, this morning we 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 lost Dwayne Haskins in Florida uh, to a tragic accident, and uh, Gil Brent had something to say on NFL Radio today after that. And these are I'm just gonna read some of the quotes that that came from his mouth. <clears throat> Here's one. He was a guy that was living to be dead. Here's another one. It was always something with Haskins. And then the one that struck with everybody was maybe if uh, <clears throat> maybe if he stayed in school a year, he wouldn't do silly things like jogging on a highway. Like, what kind of person says those kind of things after? Somebody, somebody just tragically lost their lives. <clears throat> now, obviously, we weren't there, so we don't know the whole story. We don't know. We don't know the whole situation on that. Mm. Gilbrand included. Gilbrand included. So there's no need for you to come out there and make those kind of statements. It's mind, this is mindless. When when you don't when you don't know the facts. Yep. Nobody knows the facts right now. We all, all we know is there was a tragic accident on the highway in Florida. That's all we know. Mm. You can't just say he was well. He was jogging on a highway, or he was living to be dead. Like what? Yeah. Like his family, his friends are mourning him right now. 
And that's the kind of shit that comes to your mind. I'm not gonna give any more uh, light or anything. No. But that's a piece of shit right there. That, that, yeah. That, yeah. There's no place in this world for those kind of people. So for that reason, go brand. You're gonna have to hold this L. L. I do want to add really quick, and I promise I'm not gonna take a lot of time. Um, and this is in no way, and I swear to God, it's not. It's not a defense for Gil Brandt. But this motherfucker is 90 years old, and I don't know who the hell keeps putting him out here on these radio shows. Who's Because at 90 years old, you're not out here dictating your days. Yeah. You know, you're not out here putting yourself in these positions. So whoever the fuck these opportunists are that are putting this old man out there, Gil Brandt's done a lot of great work throughout the years. He's been, a, he's been really good. But this is a terrible look on a legacy that should not be tarnished. And furthermore, Dwayne Haskins' body's not even cold yet, man. He's not even in the damn ground, and we're out here dancing on it. We're out here, we're out here making these stupid ass statements. Whoever the hell is his PR staff or the people that are running Gilbrandt's day in and day outs need to get this man the fuck off radio, get him off TV, get him off Twitter, get him off whatever the hell he's doing these days, and let this man just go out into pasture. Because Trevor just said it, it's mindless. That is senseless shit. You cannot be saying stuff like that, especially about somebody. You have zero fucking proof. Did anything wrong? Did he struggle in his early career in the NFL? Yes. But you know who else has? Mitchell Trubisky. Why aren't you saying shit about him? Real funny how that works. I feel like sometimes it's easier to say certain things about certain people that look certain ways. I'm just going to put it out there, man. Because that, to me, is just nonsense. Dwayne Haskins is not a ter- was not a terrible person. And Adam Schefter fucked up too. And I don't know if that was going to be yours, Trevor. I don't know if you're going to put on that. But Adam Schefter fucked up big time today by putting that out there as well. Talking about his struggles in his career. On the, on the, on the initiating tweet of his death. God damn, man. People got to get a fucking clue. Sorry, yeah, Trevor. No, speaking on the dead is not only inhumane, it's also, I mean, cowardly. You know, you're talking about someone who can't defend themselves at that point. It's just, don't understand it. But yeah, I... 100% agree with you and what you said and what you said as well. So moving this along, though, on a little bit of a lighter note, kind of yeah. bring, bring this ship back up. No, up, you're good, man. Afloat. I'm glad you said it. Um, listen, man, I I grew up in Kansas City, Kansas. I am a Kansas native. I am a guy who loves the state of Kansas for the most part. There's good and there's pros and cons to every place you live. Sure. Um, but I've also spent a lot of my life, you know, on the Missouri side. You know, I have a, a lot of my friends and dear dear people that I love and – I've spent a, a lot. I would say a good 60-40 of my life has been a rider, you know, 60% on the Kansas side, 40% on the Missouri side. A lot of the activities I do, do I work in Missouri. I've worked in Missouri for a long time. Um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in there. When I go do things out and about, a lot of times it is in Missouri. You know, a lot of times I spend time downtown. So I, t- I, tend, I tend to consider myself a native of Kansas City. I share this city in my heart. I love both sides. A lot of people obviously feel differently. Um, uh, and I... You know, <laughs> I love the Kansas City, Missouri Chiefs. You know, they are a Missouri team. And 100% love that team near and dearly. You know who else loves that team near and dearly? 99.9% of the people that live in the state of Kansas. Right? So I just don't understand. There's been nothing but a, I've seen so many grown men bitching and complaining about the possibility that the Kansas City Chiefs could become the Kansas City, Kansas Chiefs. Do you all know, do you all know how much that's going to change? For the fan base, 
jack shit. The drive. Because the no, – no, no, no. I'm talking about the fandom of the I, team. I, I, no. Because Lance is wearing what? Big Charlie's hoodie over there with the Kansas City Chiefs logo on it. They live in Philadelphia. Represent South Philly. They live in Philadelphia, and they're as diehard as any of us out here. Right? So I don't want to hear jack shit. Nick Wright, you're included in this, man. You're going to hold a big fat L here, bro, because I I'm have so you on live fucking it. TV. I'm so glad I love, I love my guy Nick Wright, but you're sitting there on the national TV talking about if, if the Chiefs move to Kansas, you're, 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 you're fa- your fandom ends when Patrick Mahomes' era yeah. is done. Get the fuck out of here. We know you're lying through your ass. It's just like all these fucking celebrities talk about, well, if Trump wins again, I'm leaving America. Fuck out of here. No, you're not. You're a fucking Hollywood celebrity. Shut your ass up. We have all been spoiled by this this team as of late because Patrick and now you want a bitch. It ain't gonna change anything, bro. I don't. I never in my life have understood the border war. Never in my life because I have people from Missouri come over here have a great time. I've gone over to Missouri, had a great time. I don't understand it. I get there's differences in the state and the, and the way the laws are, the taxes and shit. Who fucking cares, bro? That's not a big deal when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. No. They are still gonna be called the Kansas City Chiefs. Regardless, I don't care what anybody says. It's 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 going to be. I, They're not changing. It's so, like, this is what I'm saying though. Like I don't. Yes, the, they are still going to be in the metro. <laughs> They're going to still be very much be in the metro area. And if you want to get down to the technicalities of why this is even a possibility, let's talk about it, Missouri. Yeah. Independence, Missouri has done jack shit to market these franchises. Nothing. There is nothing around those stadiums. A couple. Jackson County. A couple, well, Jackson County, but it's, it's right around the Independence area. Yeah, that is Jackson County. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's within, yes, it's Independence, oh, yeah. yeah. So they've done, there's a Denny's there, you know, there's a Taco Bell. <laughs> Those are like the two best restaurants you got in that area right there, man. You have a couple micro-hotels. The couple key hotels. Yeah. You got some, yeah, you got some by-the-hour, some by-the-hour hotels. Yeah, man, so if you Fellowship of Christ athletes. So if my Missouri people who I love dearly, if you really want to talk about it, let's talk about why y'all have squandered. This so this this Mahomes era so far, you've done nothing to build around even. The, the, I mean, it's absolutely. And look, I'm not shitting on Missouri, bro. It's the facts, I though, man. You're bringing- I, the reason I'm getting triggered by it, bro, is because I see a bunch of grown ass people <laughs> on here bitching about. Oh, if they go to Kansas, if they go to Kansas, I'm not gonna be a Chiefs fan, bro. Bro, please, like, the, the, I know I don't believe you, first of all, but please do. When that happens, if it happens, which I don't really care because my fandom isn't going to change. If they come to Kansas, it would just be a plus for me because I can now say that I grew up in the state where the, my team is actually residing now. Yeah. But if it doesn't, fuck it. My, my fandom is going to remain the same. I don't understand should, it. Should we tell those fans to where the uh, Giants and Jet Stadium is? Right. <laughs> right, New bro. New Jersey, yeah, exactly. It's so, like, that. It's not in New York. Yeah. That's that. I, I mean, they should be Buffalo Bills fans if we're doing it by technicalities. I mean, there's one example I would say that I understand a little bit. It's a lot of L.A. native people that have had a lot of teams come and go. Sure. That's different. And some of them, like some of the OG L.A. Rams fans, yeah. always were Rams fans. When they came back to L.A., it was huge for them. Yeah. So I get that. But there's been a lot of teams that have rotated throughout those major cities, especially L.A. It's just, and the Raiders, and they have the a lot of fans matters. in L.A. Yeah, so a lot of teams are rotated. They move like but the Kansas city south. The Kansas City Chiefs is the most unique <laughs> one. The Kansas City Chiefs is the most unique one because we do share a city. Granted, it is, it is placed on the Missouri side of the state line. I get that. But they have they've squandered marketing around that. There's when when visiting teams come in to stay, they don't stay right around the stadiums. They have to stay a close, you know, further away from it because we want to find a nice place to stay. Usually it's stay usually downtown, downtown exactly. Downtown or, or, uh, Which is why Olita. downtown stadium for the Royals makes a whole lot of sense, doesn't it? Weird, yeah. Because they want to get out of that that part of town because it's, I'm not gonna say it's trash, Jack shit out there. but there's nothing to do over there. There's just not. The stadiums are in a strange uh, place. It just is what it is. So don't blame the Chiefs for taking. You know, uh, you know, notes and, and hearing other people out about possible 
I mean, look at the look at this look at the the sporting is done. You know, in this in the in the legends area, it's flourishing. It's NASCAR. great in NASCAR. All these things, and then they got casinos there. They got hotels there. They got restaurants, the mall, everything. So don't be mad. The land. Don't be mad if they're trying to find the next best thing. Don't be mad if they're wanting to. Granted, if this does happen, it probably won't be till the next five to ten years if it at really least. actually happens. At, at least, least. Yeah, like so ten years. I'm pretty sure they're they're uh, twenty thirty the same time as the Royals. Yeah, but bro, I've just been triggered all week uh-huh. because I've been hearing from guys at my job, a lot of Missouri native guys at my job. It's just it's like, bro, is it really? What would is it? What would it really change? Nothing. You're it's you can still drive to the game, go to the game almost just as easily. Maybe it might be a little farther. Well, I understand the sentiment. Right I understand the sentiment of Arrowhead and all this stuff. But even Josh, even Josh, uh, 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 the owner of the Royals. I keep, I was yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying, I seen his statement. He said it himself. He goes, Kaufman has some of the greatest memories of my life. Uh-huh. My, I met my wife. Yeah, my wife. We we went on dates. Our first date was there. Like all these other things. Like history was made. I'm still moving us. Yeah. Like it's gonna happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and, Josh, and I've, yeah, I've, said, Sherman, this, I've said this before yeah. about Kansas Cityans, and it's no bash. Because I myself include myself in that. We hate change. Yes, mm-hmm. we can agree. But we have That's to a under- Midwest thing. Yeah, but we have to understand that this city is growing. Yes, yeah. I mean, we have to understand we have, we have the we best have player in the NFL. Yes, it. yes. Because if we don't Soon grow with it, too. this city's slowly becoming a, a like a like a tourist kind of place. Uh, we're we're uh, involving more things like people come to NASCAR now. People come watch sporting. People come to the Chiefs game. So people come to like the World War One Memorial Museum, which is I think the only one in the in the nation that's yeah. that that's built. Yeah. So there's that here. So we're slowly becoming a, a, a place to where tourists want to just come and visit. So we have to grow. Upscale. Ups yeah. exactly. A downtown stadium would just significantly increase. I bet you attendance will be big there because it's downtown a lot of people are going to come down watch their team play in downtown kansas city mm-hmm. dude it's, it's a per, just i don't know what it is about kansas city and change i don't yeah. I, you're I talking about kansas city missouri or kansas both, <laughs> both. <laughs> see exactly you can say that both. we understand what you're saying yeah. that's what i'm saying so if you say kansas city Chiefs, whether in the kansas state line or the missouri it's not gonna matter to me Listen, it obviously matters to a whole lot of people, yeah. bro. A whole lot of people are triggered right now. But just, why is the question? I just, yeah, I never it, understood me, the border where I feel like it's so yeah. immature. To me, it's only like, Missouri, Missouri I'll, fans. Who I'll, has say to be. I'll say this yeah. about Nick, uh, and I love Nick very much. Nick Wright. Fuck you. Um, I'm just kidding. I, I watched this I love podcast, my guy, Nick, which, man. by the way, I'm so stoked he has a podcast now. Yeah. But, yes, it, it, it was so confusing. And here's the biggest reason why. It's such an emotional response, okay. though, man. I, I've known Nick since I met him. The first time I met him was in 2010. But I've been listening to him since 2008. Mm-hmm. Here's my question to Nick. Where did you get your start? Yeah. At Intercom, right? Right. Do you know where Intercom's located? Kansas. In Overland Park, Kansas. Yes. So, like, I understand you're from Missouri, and I understand the Chiefs are in Missouri, and I know that's an attachment there. I understand that because if, if I was from Missouri and the Chiefs were there, I would understand, like, the attachment. But we're just as attached to the team, and we're on the other side of the board. Yes, that, that's so, my entire point. So I just call bullshit on it, too. Yeah. I'm with you. I that's, don't want to take your That's my shot, entire point. Yeah. Like, that's why I never understand the border war, because whether you like it or not, guys, we <laughs> share a city. Like, that is what it is. We share. <laughs> this city is shared. Yeah. It, it is Kansas City, and it is also Missouri City, guys. Like, we share it. One big old city. Right? Let's co-parent. Let's co-parent here. Let's be co-parents, yeah? Okay, so I just don't understand that. I just I don't get it. I've got grown people talking about a border war and how they would, they would stop being a fan of the Chiefs. Bro, we're better off without you. That's the kind of fan you are, for being honest. So, for that, 
Missouri fans, Kansas fans that are triggered, whoever, Nick Wright, my guy, I love you to death, but you were that emotional response. I was dying laughing when I heard you say that out loud on TV, bro. Um, yeah, all of you, all the, everyone that's triggered by this whole entire situation on the negative side and say you want to, you, you're, you're not going to be a Chiefs fan moving forward if that happens, do me a solid favor here and hold this L. Those are good L's, fellas. I like those. those are well, well done. Um, I have a couple dubs I want to get out real quick, and then I have a nice juicy L as well. Mm. Uh, my first W is very obvious, in case you missed it this last week. Bill Self and the Jayhawks won their second national championship together. Oh, I know we didn't even talk about it, but I, I just wanted to throw it out there because, man, we heard a lot of folks talking some shit about this Jayhawk team coming into this season and even going into the tournament, even though Did they it, were baby. already one seed. Um, Bill Self has – look, if you're not a Jayhawk fan, I understand it. It's probably annoying as hell that the Jayhawks continue to win the way they do. But the reason why they do is because of Bill Self. And I know there's a lot of people out there that want to talk about these violations that are coming up. Well, when nothing of any significance takes place and the Jayhawks just keep rolling, there's your answer. There's a reason why it's taken two, three years now for this to actually occur because the NCAA doesn't really want to come hand down punishments for things that are now legalized amongst all college players and athletes. So I'm just going to leave that part of it there. The more important part of it is, and it's kind of an L actually, is that we heard uh, nasal voice uh, Doug Gottlieb <laughs> come out uh, before the tournament and talk about KU and how the even though the Midwest region was one of the easier brackets or portions of the bracket, mm. that KU wasn't a tournament team. His literal words, and I was trying to find the audio clip, and I couldn't because you guys know I love receipts here. And, of course, he didn't put it on t- Twitter, Coward. But uh, he put it out there, and he said, I, I don't even believe Kansas is uh, a tournament team. Um, in fact, I'm picking, I'm picking Iowa in that, in that tournament. Iowa loses in the first fucking round, and KU goes on to go and you know go ahead and win the whole damn thing. I wonder if he put his entire credit card balance on that. Yeah, or maybe put on his shorts on backwards <laughs> before the airing of that yeah. show. But see, that's the beautiful thing about this tournament is that it, it the cream really does rise to the top, as guys like Doug Gottlieb like to say. And this was the perfect Bill Self team mm. because they didn't have all these four or five star recruits, all these one and duns. No. Majority of the team with guys from Kansas and Missouri. Yep. And to Trevor's W, Weird. or L, rather, Kansas and Missouri folk worked together and got themselves a championship. Hey, you guys can become the KU so, fans. Come on over. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to give one to for Bill Self, man, for busting his ass all these years. Getting his second one to me, like Trevor said on his on his post uh, when it happened. To me, this goaded him. He is now without Crowned. question. There is no debate. I don't want to hear it. I'm not listening to it. I really won't listen to it. He is the best coach in college basketball, yes, and he will finish his career as the greatest college basketball coach ever because he's on pace to have 27 more victories than Coach K had at the end of his career. And I think he's going to get at least one more national championship because this only ups the ante for the KU Jayhawks to get more talent. But even if they don't, you see what he does with three-star recruits. You see what he does with two-star recruits. They win titles. Especially after the controversy last year, man, yeah. all that's going on. Oh, and, and not in the 2020 team not getting story. a chance because Dotson and those guys with, yes. with COVID going down. Will they down. lose their title, though? No, they will not. Hell no. They will not. You don't think so? They will not. The worst thing I think happens with the KU Jayhawks is they lose some scholarships. And I'm talking about the absolute worst is they get a one-year ban from the tournament. That will not happen because of what I just said. Yeah. The Bill Self is the face of the NCAA now. They don't have Coach K. They don't have Roy Williams. True. And Bayheim hasn't been relevant in 10 years. They need him. Jay Wright, awesome head coach, doesn't have the accomplishments that Bill rematch. Self does. Yeah. So I, Tom Izzo, he's a dinosaur now. He hasn't won in a long time. They need Bill Self. Yep. He is the literal Tiger Woods of the NCAA. Coach Cal, respect to him, misses the tournament every three years. You can't rely on him. 
because he just does the one and done pro- program. Bill Self is with a guy, and I'm giving a W to him for sure on this one. Absolutely. I'm also giving a W, and it's staying in basketball as well. It's on the woman's side, actually, because during the Final Four, we had what they called the Bird Tarasi Show. I don't know if you all missed this, <laughs> but during the Final Four, Louisville and South Carolina were playing. And I don't know if you all know the name of the South Carolina team, but they're called the Gamecocks. Well, uh, Tarasi, uh, Diana Tariasi and uh, Sue Bird had uh, Kelsey Plum as a guest. And this is one of the two audio clips I'm going to play, and I hope you guys enjoy this as much <laughs> as I did. Like in those other games, as she was finishing in the lane, the length of, of, the, of the cocks is long. You can't help it. Can't help it. There it is again. There it is again. <laughs> so you missed that part of it. Uh, Diana Teriyasi is talking about the Gamecocks, and she says the link of okay. I, I'm just I'm just a child, and it's so refreshing when I hear women you use men jokes, making dick jokes. Uh, yeah, and, and and if you didn't see the video, I recommend you go and find it. Uh, it's on Twitter. Kelsey Plum and Subert immediately grab their drinks and start drinking as soon as she says that, and Kelsey Plum just looks shocked as hell that Diana Teriyasi went that route. But Diana Teriyasi doesn't end there. This is actually another clip later on in that game. So simple. It's, it's so simple. simple. It's a simple it's game. game of inches at the same time. So those simple things. Yeah. Are not always so simple. It is a it's a game of inches. Ask the cocks. Ask them. Ask them. Taking those inches. Um, you know, do you take those inches? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I gotta give the biggest W. Do you take those inches? <laughs> in particular, Absolutely. in particular to Diana Tiriasi for being courageous enough to do this. Hey. I fucking loved it. She's a legend. Uh, one of the greatest WNBA basketball players ever, a respected woman, a respected athlete. But her doing this, like, it's so legendary, man. I got to give her a W because I'm it's not trying TV. to be funny or, or mean here, mean-spirited, but this did get people to pay attention. I'm just going to say it. Like, having a little bit more of that, I think, would actually help people start to pay attention because I, I would be all in favor of seeing women's sports get more attention. Never been against it. I think this is definitely a start. I loved it. I loved the realness to yeah, it. More dick, it jo- more dick jokes, guys. Yes. <laughs> more, <laughs> absolutely loved it. If you didn't like that, I don't give a fuck. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. My L is going to a guy that he, he's been on the show quite a bit when it comes to L's. Uh, because of the fact that he's somebody that fearlessly puts himself out there in the main the mainstream media, and um, he's he's boisterous, he's loud, he's Stephen A. Smith. Um, he he's had a long long I would say long bitted feud and rival with Kevin Durant, and a lot of the things he said about Kevin Durant he's been right about, but this week Kevin Durant got him. And actually, it wasn't even Kevin Durant that got him; it was Ballsack Sports. <laughs> and in case you don't know what Ballsack Sports is, let me just put it like this. Don't believe anything they put out there when it comes to quotes, when it comes to uh, breaking news, anything like that. They are a troll account, and it is hilarious as shit how many people fall for what they do. So, for instance, they came out, Ballsack Sports came out with a report about the James Harden and Kyrie Irving problem. And they made a quote that James Harden and Kyrie Irving got an actual physical altercation. Well, any of us that actually know who Ballsack Sports are and is as an entity... Laughed about that because it was fucking hilarious. Like, oh my god, this is a funny story. They're basically like Babylon B or The Onion, basically mm-hmm. just particularly for sports. This week, 
Stephen A. Smith is on uh, his show First Take with Magic Johnson, and this is an actual quote. Especially when Kyrie looked him in the face, according to reports, and told him, you washed up. He said that to him. Yeah. That's part of the reason they had to fall down. Bro. Wow. And... Play it again. Bro, especially when Kyrie <laughs> looked him in the face, according to reports, and told him, you washed up. Reports. He said that to him. Yeah. That's part of the reason they had to fall down. Bro. Wow. According to reports. Well, and then Kevin Durant quote tweeted and said, damn, Steve, gotcha ass, because Ballsack Sports... Put that tweet out there about Stephen A. saying, according to reports, the only person that reported a physical altercation or Kyrie Irving telling James Harden he was washed was Ballsack Sports because it didn't happen. But yet on one of the most popular day shows, Sports Daily shows, Stephen A. Smith, the highest paid sports personality on TV, quoted, put that out there as quoted a Ballsack Sports. You, this is Barry McCockiner style <laughs> reports back when Rachel Nichols reported him too. Oh man, guys, it takes five seconds to do your research, man. I don't know if it's an ESPN thing because last week my guy Chris Long or Kyle Long rather is coming at me when he didn't do his research, and I'm just some dude with the podcast. Mm. It's sad, but it's hilarious. And for that, Stephen A, do me a solid, brother, and hold this L. L. Appreciate you. Man, it's a fun show. And in all seriousness, uh, we do want to, again, send our sympathies and our, our best wishes and our hearts go out to uh, Dwayne Haskins' family, all his loved ones, all of his teammates, everyone that he was close to and impacted. Uh, our hearts of the Spoken Podcast are genuinely with you. I, I'm so sorry that the sports media doesn't know how to handle these types of situations still for whatever reason. Uh, we've had tragedies throughout the decades, the centuries, and for some reason we're not well-equipped enough to know how to handle these things properly by not bringing up uh, the fact he couldn't catch on in his young NFL career or Gilbert Brandt saying these stupid fucking things that he was saying on that audio recording that uh, I, I regret that anybody has to take the time to listen to. But nevertheless, no matter what their opinions are, what how poorly they phrase those things, Dwayne Haskins is not those things, was not those things. And he should be recognized, he should be respected, his family should be respected in this tough time. And he should be remembered as a man, like I said earlier, like Trevor said earlier, lived his life. Went after it. Went to one of the most prestigious schools in all of football and capitalized and dominated and got himself selected in the first round. And was going to have himself another opportunity. Got himself married. Had himself an established life. And was working hard to becoming something special in the NFL. Would he have become it? It doesn't matter. Because he was out, he was out there going and getting it, and we lost him way too damn soon. And it breaks my heart that we have to talk about this on the show. It breaks my heart that he is lost, and it breaks my heart for his whole family. And I'm sorry that that happened. And uh, we wish them nothing but the best. And uh, yeah, that's all I can really say about it. So yeah. it's been a great show, regardless. It's been fun. We love you guys. We appreciate all the support that we've been getting from you. We'd love it if you guys would go to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit us up on there on the on the chats. We'd love to get. Some we just more need a thousand. We need a thousand subscribers. So if anybody's in the group or whatever, anybody who's watching us from any platform, we need to hit a thousand subscribers so we can monetize our 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 channel. You guys can start chiming in with like live chats a little more frequently. We can start addressing some questions live on air. So that's that's the goal we're trying to get. So a thousand subscribers, not that much to ask for. Man. And we're gonna spruce a lot of things up as well. We're gonna get some more merch. We're gonna get some logos, design stuff like that coming out there as well. We're gonna get you guys as involved with this as possible. And we're gonna keep the good times rolling, guys. But in the meantime, for Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo Yo Yo, for Trevor Twidwell, for the great Clay Windler that puts all this together, for our awesome guest today, Mr. Kyle Henning from the Kingdom Says Podcast and SIA Network. We are so appreciative. Episode 162 of the Spoken Podcast is done, finished, and finito. And so we're here next week for 163. 
We out this bitch. We're gonna get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoken. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit.